Hey, welcome to the 261st episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. So currently talking about, like, Fantastic Four, John Byrne, 80s, 1984, looking at some cool stuff, although we took a little detour, did uh, The Thing last week, because uh, it's, it's not really a secret, there's, there's, it's about a war coming up, secret war, and then uh, there's a new member coming up in, in the next sequential issue of Fantastic Four, so there's someone with some green skin, you may have seen her in some other stuff recently. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So what is going to happen this week? There wasn't any major theatrical release. There, there's a couple of things that came out. I did go to the movies. I went and I finally saw DC League of Super Pets. So I, I kind of um, dragged my feet on that. I I went and saw Jordan Peele's Nope when this came out. It was because it was a week after Comic Con and just trying to catch up with everything. But I'm glad I saw it. So I'll just say that. We'll talk a lot more. I have a lot to say about it. So you can definitely hear more about that. I almost was going to watch um, Samaritan. I still haven't seen it. I, I will. I'll, I'll talk about that next week. Uh, the Sylvester Stallone is on Amazon Prime. I've, I've been looking forward to it. I haven't. I haven't even. I've avoided. I don't even know what the reviews are saying for it, like any meta scores or anything like that. So I just want to watch it without being biased in any, in any way. So because I, I think it's it's more fun that way. Me personally. Uh, but so we have She-Hulk, we have Harley Quinn, the latest episodes. I'm going to finish off Lock and Key, so the, the final season, so season three, uh, so episodes five through eight. And also, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it last week or not, um, came out late. There was a, an extra bonus episode of The Sandman that came out, which is, was really cool. So you can hear about that. And, of course, there was Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon that came out so um and you know if, if you know me and my history with game of thrones stay tuned to hear what i have to say about this new show that takes place before game of thrones so but let's get into the news there's a, a little bit of, of news uh fantastic for speaking of fantastic four the word is that matt shackman may be in negotiations to direct the fantastic four movie so John Waters left. You know, he's like, I, I just need a break from superhero movies. I want to do some other stuff. It's totally understandable. I mean, it's, it's a bummer. But uh, Matt Shackman, he worked on WandaVision. The, the thing is where, you know, whenever this stuff comes out, it's always like, you know, everyone's reporting. It's like, in talks, in talks. And, and some people are like, like, oh, they found a director. It's still up in the air. And, and I always wonder, it's like, how do these in talks, you know, work? How does that get out? I think it was Heroic Hollywood that mentioned it and. It might have been a Hollywood reporter that also like confirmed it or something like that. The 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 reason it's not 100% confirmed is Matt Shackman was also supposedly going to be working or directing or involved with Star Trek Four. 
the release dates are really kind of close. It's probably not likely that he could do both. So, you know, something's got to give. So we'll have to stay tuned to see with that. Once we get a director, then they can start looking at, you know, casting news and so forth. And and just so no one gets their hopes up, you know, it's probably, it's not going to be John Krasinski. You know, the, most likely they did that just to appease the fans and do a little Easter egg. But we'll see. As far as DC movies go, Dan Lin is supposedly in talks to be like the Kevin Feige of DC stuff. He's going to be overseeing the DC film and TV, um, all that stuff. So Dan Lin worked on the Lego movie, Sherlock Holmes. But just like before, it's in talks. I, I saw when it first came out, everyone's talking, you know, mentioning he's in talks. But then someone's like, um, they haven't even made an offer to him yet. <laughs> So everyone's saying that that you know they found a new person, they haven't re- reached out and even negotiated or started. I mean, who knows? By now, maybe I, I haven't seen any follow up to that, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they, they, you know, there should be someone, and I'm not trying to say I am no way trying to say they need to try to mimic or do whatever Marvel's doing or something. You know, they but they should have someone overseeing everything. I'm still not super happy with what's going on. You know. Walter Hamada apparently is leaving because he he was bummed or he was upset. Let's put it be more realistic about Batgirl getting canceled. And you know, speaking of Batgirl getting canceled, it's kind of kind of crazy. Like this, the stuff that's that's coming out about this. Uh, one thing that that was was mentioned that the directors, you know, they were in Morocco for for the wedding uh, of um, Adil Adil El Arbi and. They came home and they found out that it's it's canceled. They go to the Warner Brothers servers. Everything had been deleted off there, like all, all their their footage and everything like that. So they couldn't even look at or save or do anything. And that's they're probably like, okay, we're canceling this. We're we're gonna take this off right away. So nothing gets leaked out. They've mentioned that like even all the Batman stuff is gone. So who knows if we're ever gonna see that? They said that you know it can't be released in its current state. There's no video effects. Uh, you know, they still had some scenes to shoot. So if one day they want us to release a Batgirl movie, they'd have to give us the means to do it to finish it properly with our vision. They also said that um, Warner Brothers told them that it wasn't a talent problem or from their part or the actress or even the quality of the movie. They said they're using it as a strategic change. There was new management, and they wanted to save some money. So that's just... It's, it sounds like crap, but you know what? What can you do? I mean, that that's how it goes. But then the other interesting thing, so you know, this is supposedly deleted from the servers and all that. There's a report that there's been like secret screenings or something like that on a Warner Brothers lot. I don't know how accurate that is. I, I haven't looked into. You know, obviously, I have no ways to find out. But it's it's a bummer, uh, you know, and it's it's really a huge bummer for everyone involved like that would totally suck where you're working on this movie you're pouring all your you know your, your your energy and your your creativeness into this you go to a wedding you come back and it's like oh by the way we're, we're canceling it so just forget about everything you've done you can't even save anything for like your reels or anything like that just it's such such a, a bummer and that's not the only thing that's canceled so batman cape crusaders the animated show it, it's that got canceled but there's still a potential we could see it. It's it's going to be shopped around, so it's not going to be an HBO Max. Which I don't. I'm really concerned with what's going on with HBO Max. Obviously, there's going to be some merger with you know Discovery Plus or whatever. But it just sounds like they're trying to get rid of 
kid um, stuff, you know, younger viewer stuff. It was never like a report that like 200 episodes of Sesame Streets were like they disappeared, that they're getting pulled. All this stuff's disappearing off the, the streaming network. And usually when stuff's going to leave, they, they announce something. It's like, hey, this is leaving at the end of the month, so last chance if you want to check it out. There was also that um, Infinite Train or whatever uh, by the uh, Rick and Morty creator. It's like stuff is just like leaving. <sighs> I, I worry is like, is Adventure Time going to still be under? Are they going to decide to pull that? Because I, even though I just recently rewatched the whole thing, I'd love to watch it again. And I still haven't finished Rick and Morty. Not Rick and Morty. Um, regular show. Did I say Rick and Morty before? I meant regular show, whatever I said. Regular show. I haven't finished regular show because I'm on the final season and I don't want it to be over. So every once in a while, I'll watch one more episode and then, then that means one more one less that I have. So I just, I, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's just, it's like I said, it's, it's very cunning. As far as other movie stuff, so like Shazam, uh, Fury of Gods, and Aquaman have already been pushed back a little bit, but they're being pushed again. Shazam now, instead of coming out this year, it's coming out March 17th, 2023. And Aquaman is getting pushed all the way back to December 25th, 2023. So they're not coming out this year. And in the announcement that was made, you know, they're saying that the movies are, are going to be released when they're ready and stuff like that. So they're probably going to make some tweaks. And maybe, you know, I'm sure I always say, you know, it's, it's if something is not right, make sure, you know, go ahead and delay it. Make sure it's the best thing that we can get. You know, don't just rush it out. Don't give us garbage. So maybe they have some new direction. Maybe they want to tie into a new, you know, cinematic universe or something like that. So maybe they need to make some tweaks here or there or, or uh, who knows? I have no idea, but wow. <laughs> that, that's, that's all I, uh, I can say about that. It's just, it's just really weird. Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon, as I mentioned, you'll, you'll hear about that. It did really well. So they've decided it's renewed for season two already. One episode came out. There's Obviously, there's two by the time you're listening to this. And um, it's, it's already getting a season two. So that's great if, if, you, if you dug the show. Um, also, with uh, sort of Warner Brothers, whatever, Gotham Knights, the video game. So I, I interviewed some of the people involved with the game. It's on my YouTube channel, just G-Man from Heck. Uh, youtube.com slash man from heck whatever and uh there's a new trailer came out it's a villains trailer so we see harley's in there uh mr freeze which was there was like rumors of mr freeze being in, in the game we already know court of owls are going to be in there but then you also see clayface um renee montoya sounds like she's taken over as like commissioner so it's like what happened to jim and it looks like you know she's going to be working with the bat family and so it, it's interesting Instead of coming out October 25th, it's now coming out October 21st, I believe. I don't know if that, I, I, I don't remember if it's just like on PC or if it's just across the board. So um, have fun, you gamers. I don't think I, I will be getting it day released since I have no time to, to play, but that's my sad life. <laughs> Umbrella Academy. So I, I really like the show. They, there was, uh, this is kind of good news, bad news. So when it ended, I know, I don't think the ratings were like super hot. I mean, it has its following, but when it ended, it was kind of a cliffhanger. You know, if, if you listen to my recaps, you know, you know what, how it ended. So we are getting more. So that's good. The, the kind of bummer news is this is the last season. It's it, at least they know this ahead of time. So whether they just decided, yeah, let, let's leave while we're on top ish or if they're told yeah okay yeah you can come back but 
it doesn't matter how awesome it is. This is it. This is going to be last. You're not going to get anything after this. So wrap everything up. So it's it's good to know. And again, whether they decided this is how they wanted to do or they were told, at least they get the opportunity to to do that. So that that's good. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to be on the boys in season four. I know there there is talk they were trying to get him in season three, but it just didn't work out and everything. So now. Um, there is a, a character supposedly they had in mind for him for season three. It's not clear if it's the same character or not. We don't know. He there is like a, a Twitter post or something like that. He's like, just give me some tights or something like that. It, they haven't confirmed. You know, the the boys. I think it was on Twitter. They said we neither confirm nor deny whether to be any. I don't think they said that, but something like that. They're not, they're not confirming that there, any tights will be involved or not. So we'll just have to wait and see. And I, I believe they are currently filming for the, the, that season. So. Let's let's hope it comes out sooner or then rather than later. But you know, like I said, don't rush it. You do what you got to do. Oh, I, one thing I had to mention about with the, all the Warner Brothers stuff. So not related to DC, but Evil Dead Rise. So this was supposed to come out at HBO Max. When I saw this come up, I'm like, oh no, don't tell me this is canceled. Don't tell me this is canceled. It's not canceled. Well, it's canceled on HBO Max. It's coming out in the theaters. Okay. I'm down with that. That's that's. I think that's a good thing, because maybe that means like, wow, this is strong enough to have a, a theatrical release. I know that doesn't. That I'm not trying to knock anything that's released specifically for HBO Max or any streaming platform, because as you know, I love all the stuff that comes out. You know that that I that I talk about, <laughs> and they may want something strong because it's like, Hey, we want to support this platform. We need to get people to come here. I mean, I love the Marvel stuff. I know some people are just crazily, they, they hate it or whatever, but they're just so angry about everything. I think you need strong content to keep the subscribers or that's what, I mean, look at like Netflix originals. Some of them, most of them are, are good and so forth. But with this, they're, they're saying, Hey, let's, let's move it to the theaters. Hopefully, you know, maybe that this could be like they're looking at this like this could be another franchise, and maybe they're like, well, if there's a potential of doing more, let's just start it off in the theaters because who knows what the future of HBO Max is? Maybe they're looking at that. I I don't know. I'm just total speculation. So we'll have to see. Speaking of home platform streaming stuff or whatever, there is a, a trailer for Disney's live action Pinocchio. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, the, the li- their live action stuff—they they do a good job. It just—it's almost like it's—it's it's verbatim to the animated, but just with live action. So we have Pinocchio, live action Pinocchio. You know, there is a puppet, and then he comes to life. Some so you have all that, but it, it looks very true to the Disney version. And you know, Tom Hanks is playing Geppetto, and and he looks good in there. Um, yeah, we, we got the cat, we got the goldfish, we got the, the blue fairy, uh, we, we got the whale. I mean, it's, it's all there. It's all in the trailer. So we got the, I don't remember what the fox and, what was, was the fox and what's the other? It wasn't two foxes. Were wolf, I don't know. It, so that that is actually coming out sooner. That's coming out on September 8th on Disney+. Plus. I may have to be doing that as a feature because I don't think there's much coming out in September. <laughs> At least not theaters. Also on Disney Plus, this is, I find this very intriguing. Uh, they're working on a, a King Kong TV series. So I believe my you know my understanding is King Kong I think is public domain now. I could be totally wrong about that. 
So we have the current MonsterVerse stuff, like the Godzilla versus Kong and all that. That's still happening. And then there's like a Netflix something, animated Kong or something. I guess one thing which I didn't really notice or pay attention about, which, which I mean, obviously makes sense, is in the MonsterVerse, they don't call him King Kong. They've never called him King Kong. It's always Kong, Kong, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla versus Kong. I don't think they've referred to him as King Kong. So the Disney Plus is going to be King Kong. And it's going to be based off of some novels or, or inspired by some novels that were approved by the estate of, I forget who created King the King Kong estate. I don't know. So I, I just don't know. It, and it's interesting that Disney is going to, they're going to take a stab at, at King Kong, which, and I know some people are probably rolling their eyes like, oh no, they're going to ruin it or what. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think they put out a lot of great stuff. I don't know what that says. Do I have great taste? Do I have bad taste? Who who knows? But it's just that that's that's how how it is, and I I will look forward to that. A minor update with a uh, Jordan Elsass from Superman and Lois. So last week, it, I'm pretty sure it was last week. Don't ask me about time. Is just whatever. So he plays uh, Jonathan Kent or played Jonathan Kent on Superman and Lois on the CW. It it came out that he was not coming back that he was not going to make it to set and they're going to have to recast. What we didn't know is what, what is going on and you know, what, what is the reason And his, you know, social media, he hasn't been any reports, but apparently he left a video message on, on cameo for a fan, you know, where you paid and you can get a message from whatever. So what he said, it's been a tough few weeks. It's sad it's a real shame. I know that I was pumped for season three, certainly, but what are you going to do? Anyways, mental health is definitely a 100% priority. There's no question that is a priority. It's pinnacle. It's got to take precedence. And mine has been, the last couple of years, it's been rough. I need some time to myself. Then, you know, he also said that, uh, he's like, I'm debating whether I'm even going to act for a while. He's like, I may not. I may go into a different you know, go in a different direction. And, and I know, you know, people are, it's going to be disappointing, not just fans, but people in this close circle. Uh, they may not say they're disappointed, but reality, I have a lot of people, they got my back who were really rooting for me to see me start over, maybe try something new. I think it's going to shock some people. It's probably the most shocking to me. So maybe he should, be, he should become a middle school teacher. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, if, if it is a matter of mental health, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it's like being, you know, it's in such a, the public eye, you know, being an actor and just, just a rigor of, you know, putting yourself out there and just creating, you know, bringing life to the words on a, on a script or whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, like, oh, they have it made, you know, they have it so easy. They're getting paid all this money and everything like that. But you virtually have no life because you have no privacy. And, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It was just, just a pressure of constantly being on mark and, you know, just pouring your, your heart out. And I don't know. So I, I wish him the best of luck. And, you know, it, it's a shame, but he's got to do what's best for him. And, you know, don't worry about the fans. Worry about yourself, dude. You know, we will have your back. If you ever come, whatever you, you come back, we'll be there to support you. So just, you know, take care of yourself. And, and that goes for, for everyone. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So we'll have to see, you know, maybe we'll never hear from him in, in the public eye. You know, he may find something, you know, maybe he wants to be like a vet tech. And maybe that's going to make him happy. And if so, awesome. You know, just do what you got to do. That being said, this is going to be my last. <laughs> maybe someday I'm going to make that announcement. Maybe. I don't know. 
Anyways, uh, the final bit of news. Not, not really. I, I don't think this was. I again, see, this is where I lose track of what I've said and what I haven't said. Pretty sure I didn't mention this the last week. Uh, Hellraiser, yeah, because I think last week I mentioned it got an R rating, but we didn't know the release date. We now know the release date. It was like right after I said we don't know the release date. They're like, hey, by the way, <laughs> we do know the release date. So Hulu does this like Huluween, like October, where they put out like a bunch of like horror type movies and stuff like that. So it's coming out on October 7th so you can expect to hear about that so that's kind of cool uh at first I was like ah they should have released it closer to Halloween but then I'm also like no the sooner the better and give it let people watch and talk about it because then maybe they'll watch it again you know when it gets closer to Halloween like oh let's watch something scary let's watch you know Hellraiser and uh there was a a little sort of I barely want to call it a teaser it's just basically it's like the words go by and red background. So you kind of see the new pinhead, but you really can't make anything out because you're seeing it through the letters as they pass by. So all we see is a bunch of nails. It's the new female pinhead. You you can't really even tell. I mean, it looks like it could be the old pinhead. I mean, it's it's not the, the clearest footage out there, but I, I will give it a shot. I mean, I truly love the original Hellraiser and I love Doug Bradley, and I'm very resistant to change. But, you know, I watched that one reboot one with a totally different pinhead, and uh, it was okay. It, you know, I wouldn't say it was horrible, but it was, it was, it was a weird direction. I talked about it on, on one of the secret podcast episodes. If you really want to know and you're not sure which one, I can tell you. But uh, fingers crossed. I, I really, really, really want this to be a good movie, so... Let's hope so. And uh, let's hope that you are ready for the rest of the show and you enjoy the rest of the show because that is going to be it for the news. As far as comic books go, oh, man, at Image, Deadly Class 55. Uh, There's only one more issue after this, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So I love Deadly Class and uh, you know, there's there's another little bit. We've been getting like time jumps in, be, you know, between issues as we're wrapping up the story and seeing like where the characters are going and and, and so forth. So this one, oh, man, it's uh, as as things get wrapped up, you know, we're seeing some other characters, you know, that we've seen throughout the series, and it's just something bad happens to, to one character, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I mean, it's just. Just, just crazy the, the things that are happening. Actually, I mean, the last issue also there, there's another like kind of crazy things, and uh, I just I love this this series so much, and I'm I'm gonna be bummed when it, when it's over. I mean, it's it, it literally it's it's been my favorite series. I just love the writing, I love the art and the colors. It's just oh, man, and I, I see I, I I cannot say anything else because. If you have not read this or haven't, and someday you need to read this, and I absolutely do not want to spoil anything. Even if you're like, "Well, it's you know 55 issues, and I won't remember what you said by the time I get," I just don't don't want there to be any spoilers. So, you need to read this. Department of Truth issue 20. This is getting a little sticky too. So our main, uh, our kind of main character, I think his name's Matt, right? <laughs> I'm horrible with names, even though we're 20 issues in now. So we had this dude who started working for the Department of Truth. And, you know, that's when he met Lee Harvey Oswald, found out that he is alive and he's running this this department and all the secret stuff and everything like that. So this guy, Matt, his husband 
uh, it was approached by some some people that we've seen in, in earlier issues, and they're basically telling him like what Matt is doing. I hope his name is Matt. <laughs> and uh, so he's kind of getting the truth of the matter, like and and seeing like things that are happening. And and as we're we're hearing all the stuff, we're we're kind of getting word that maybe things aren't quite as they seem as we as we've been led to believe. You know, maybe there. Are, there's other stuff going on that's not so so good and so it's it's really kind of putting everything out and that that's the whole thing about the series you know there's just a lot of when you have your conspiracy theories you know it's like okay did this really happen is there something else and a lot of times you know things are fabricated or you know is it really there's a truth but then it's being covered up you know like reverse fabrication or whatever so it's just yeah it's just it 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 that doesn't quite make you feel uncomfortable, but it's it's almost like this the tension as you read this. It's like, oh man, where is this going? What's going to happen? Part of me is like, this can't be the truth. You know, we we couldn't have been bamboozled this whole time, but maybe we have been. And, and what? Who knows? I hate this place <laughs> issue four. So I've I've been enjoying this this comic. So you know this this is by Kyle Starks, and uh, the, the art is by. Art Yum Tapillon, and uh, Lee Lurich does the colors, right? And uh, we had this couple, you know, the one, one, one of the ladies inherits this farm. They're going to go kind of work it for a year, sell it. But then they discovered that the, the land is haunted. And so it's like basically like don't go outside at night. And, you know, there's like all these rules and stuff like that. But then they kind of go out and they, they actually get like an exorcist and they discover some other things. And there's this other shady dude who's kind of warming his way on, onto the area because something sort of not really related to to the farm and the area. But he's posing as, as a farm hand because he ended up killing the dude. And and there's just like all this bad stuff. And um, it's it's I'm just intrigued with, with with this story, so you should check that out as well. Newburn trade paperback came out that that's been a, a a good story, good series so far. So you should check that out. Public Domain issue three. So this is basically you have this comic writer, creator, artist who made this character, and then the rights were sold or kind of sold out, whatever. It became this huge, like Marvel movies or you know this, this whole franchise and all stuff like that. But the creator basically makes no money off of it because it's some old dealers, you know, whatever. So, you know, this is stuff that we hear a lot. And then it, it came out, spoiler, that there was actually, there's this piece of contract that says that the comic creator does own the rights. And so now it's a matter of like, you know, can you take them to court? Can, you know, the lone struggling elderly creator have a chance against a big, huge studio with corporate lawyers and everything like that. So there's some, and then, you, you know, you, you, you were getting to know like the family, like the, the dude's two kids and their stuff like that. So there's, it's, it's interesting with, with what's going on. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really intrigued with that. So, you know, Chip Zdarsky is doing the writing here. Then there's radiant black issue 17. So new development with a radiant black. It looks like once you see, like you, you think you see what's happening. It's like, Oh no, someone going to die is are we going to switch this or do that and i i feel like just saying that right there was was saying too much but there's because there's one one of the the yellow dude the radiant dude he like has seen what's going to happen and everything so he makes some comments but of course you know things are going to get 
your monkey wrench thrown in left and right. And uh, yeah, I don't want to give anything up. So this is just a really in- interesting story. And, and I, I feel, I don't, I don't want to say it's ambitious because I, I feel like, I sometimes I feel like, even, you know, that that's, I usually use that as like, as a, a positive, but sometimes I feel like that could be taken as like, oh, you know, you're really like pushing it, trying it. You know, Kyle Higgins, he's, it's like naturally making this big story and making it bigger and bigger. You know, we, we have like all this, this different stuff. There's so many like layers to it. And it's, it's pretty deep with like all the backstory. And as we're seeing, and I don't mean that as in like, it's super overly complex and you're going to be on overhead and, you know, don't even bother. No, it's, it's, it's a very intriguing story. So I, I really say, think you should be checking this out and, and keeping up with it. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been good. So I'm, I'm and I like the fact that, you know, there's, there's, you have no idea where this is going to go because they kind of, they kind of, not necessarily put everything through things on. My analogies are just horrible right now, but they kind of twisted things. They didn't throw everything on its head. They're more like on its side, sort of on its head type of thing. It's just thing, things are are get getting pretty crazy, but it, it's in a good way. That's what's what's keeping the story fresh and interesting. So you should check that out. At DC. Um, I didn't read anything at IDW or Boom, um, which, you know, one thing I realized, and, and I, it's still the case, uh, Scott's, the second issue Scott Snyder's uh, IDW book came out last week. And I've been meaning, I keep saying, it's like, I got to read it, I got to read it. And I, I keep forgetting to go into the IDW section since there hasn't been anything else coming out. And, but it's, it's just, I, I came out during uh, Comic-Con. It was about the, the firefighters were using the prisoners and then they're, this, they're going to pull a heist during a fire. I'm, I'm really, I need to read that second issue to see what's going on. With DC, Task Force Z, uh, issue 11, came out. And this is another one where it's it's like, oh, man, things are, are getting messier and messier. So it's, you know, Jason Todd working in this Task Force Z, and we find out who's really running it, what's going on, and, and who who's alive and who's not or who's who's reanimated who is really reanimated because that's not who it's supposed to be and it's just like things weird going left and right and the only problem i have is two faces in here and if you haven't been reading if you're waiting for trades or whatever if you don't know what role two face is playing i won't say anything more but the fact that we have two face here and in two face also in detective comics and it just i'm like wait what what's going on here because it's almost like two completely different characters that's what drives me nuts. And I know I shouldn't let it bother me, but it kind of gets in the way of my enjoyment when I'm trying to see, wait, where, how does this fit in? You know, which, which one comes first? And, you know, there, there could be an easy explanation for whatever, you know, just read this and then worry about this takes place later or whatever. But it just, it, it gets in my way. And maybe that's just me. I don't know. But Task Force Z is... Um, some interesting choices being made. I definitely, it's totally not the comic that I thought it was going to be. I thought this was like crazy. It's like, okay, you're taking dead villains and you're reanimating them and using them sort of like a suicide squad, you know, task, task force X. It's so hard for me to say for some reason. So this has just been, been crazy. And, uh, yeah, I, and I'm not, I am not super crazy about Jason Todd being there and everyone knowing that he's Jason Todd and calling him Jason Todd because I worry about the connections. Like, well, are people going to be able to figure out about Batman and, and, you know, his connection to him and Bruce Wayne, but I guess it hasn't been an issue. There was a uh, tales of the human target that came out. So, you know, Tom King's involved. There's a, a lot of uh, you know good, good artists involved with, with this as well. My problem is 
I don't love the human target. I I enjoyed the Tom King story, and you know it was it was very it was it was interesting and everything. And Greg Smallwood's art was amazing. But with this, I was like, okay, this is an oversized one shot. You know, just telling different stories. I one I don't have the time to read this, and I'm not like gung ho eager to read more Human Target. I, I would like to read it at some point. I just don't know if I'm going to remember to do that, if it's going to happen anytime soon. But um, if you like that story, I mean, there, there's more here. So that I'm glad it's there, but it's just not going to be at the top of my reading list. I'm going to be completely honest. Robin 17, this is a, this is the last issue, I, I think. So it's kind of wrapping some things up, you know, just stuff with, with that uh, Lazarus Island and, and everything like that and more stuff with Robin and Flatline and, and Lord Death's Death. What's this? Lord Deathman? That doesn't sound right. So, uh, yeah, this is leading up to, I believe, uh, Batman versus Robin, which comes out in September. Um, I, I forget which day. I think it's like the second week or first week, second week. I, I've been enjoying this series, so I, I look forward to, to seeing more of you know, what is Robin going to do next. There was Olympus Rebirth, number one, came out. I, I started reading this. I just don't really care about, you know, Zeus and the, the, whatever, his pantheon of gods and, and all that. And, you know, there, there's some stuff with, like, Semiscura and everything and, like, the, the death of Queen Hippolyta, which did I – wait, why is she – when when did she die? Was it in a trial at Amazon's, which I didn't really read. I don't really know even know what's going on. But I started reading it. I, 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 I couldn't finish because – I, yeah, I'm just not into the, all the, the God stuff so much. Detective Comics 1063. This was a, a weird story because, you know, it's almost like two faces trying to make a change, going in a different direction, some weird stuff. But then, of course, you know, he's not going to get the chance. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't really know. Part of it is I, I really enjoyed what Mariko Tamaki was was Tamaki was, was doing. I, I'm just not doing well with names this week but i really enjoyed the previous uh <laughs> creative team on on detective comics so it's it's hard to like okay where are we going now you know make adjusting to the change and everything speaking of adjusting to change so deathstroke inc 12 you know we're we've seen deathstroke doing a lot in um dark justice or oh man Anyways, so Deathstroke's doing a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff and just hardcore, you know, running, getting villains to do, you know, if anyone's going to be a hero, he's they're going to get killed and all this stuff. But then in Deathstroke Inc., which is it's weird because it's this is Deathstroke Inc. and how where the series was when it started, this has like nothing to do with that. And now we're back in like Deathstroke Origin, which is interesting to see, you know, to, to see from some different angles, see some things fleshed out a little more. But it's just weird that. It's almost like this could be a separate miniseries, you know, if you want to do Deathstroke year one and a half or whatever, you know, do something. But just to put it in Deathstroke Inc., it just, I mean, I'm sure maybe they'll they'll draw some connections and whatever, flesh things out further after retelling this story. But it just seems weird. And, you know, Ed Brisson, I, I, I dig his writing and I, I like what he's doing, but it just, I don't know, it just, to me, it seems weird. But maybe, again, that's just me. Batman White Knight presents Red Hood number two. This, this was good, kind of like you know some flashback story with stuff with with Jason Todd after he left and you know training this uh, girl who wanted to be Robin and everything like that and seeing how that connects to the present and and so forth. So I I just I'm really enjoying 
this little corner, like what you know, Sean Murphy's Batman universe. So I, I, I dig it. Batman Fortress number four. This is a so this is Gary Whitta and Derek Robertson, and uh, there's been like this alien present, like electricity, like wasn't like all the power has been taken out. Superman is gone. Then they find out like oh crap, the Fortress of Solitude is gone because Batman figures well maybe we can get some kryptonian tech to take out these this aliens whoever's responsible for all this stuff and he's like oh fine lex luther let's we got to team up even though i think you're a total piece of crap and then they have contact with some of the aliens and then um, that's all i'm going to say so uh, yeah so you might want to check that out action comics 1046 just i'm i'm so ready for this to be over uh gladiator superman war world and it's it's a noble thing he's doing. He's like, yes, I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave Earth so I can help out these others. I get it, but it, it's how long has this been going on? It feels like it's been happening for quite a while. <laughs> then at Marvel, there were, geez, there was Axe, A-X-E, Judgment Day, Issue 3. Oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm just struggling so much with this. I just, I do not care about this eternal deviant, whatever. Let's kill all mutants and wipe them out and just celestial gods. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool seeing, you know, like mutants and, you know, the Avengers and, and even the Eternals, you know, working together. You know, I, I'm all for that, you know, fleshing things out. Let's, let's bring the Eternals to the forefront because, you know, they, they do have an important history. And people like me just don't know very much about the Eternals. So let's try to make them interesting. But this isn't interesting for me. So I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. I, I don't know where this is going to go. And also, the other kind of issue, you know, it's, it is dealing with some of the Krakoa stuff that I'm kind of getting tired with. And, you know, just all, all the, the, you know, the Quiet Council secrecies and just a, the just a massive mass um, resurrections. So... I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this is going to go. Amazing Spider-Man issue eight. Oh, I'm I'm also on the fence with this to see where this is going. So since this volume has started, you know Peter Parker's life, you know, has gone back to the, the crap hole like it happened so many times, and uh, something bad happened. We we still don't know what happened. Why did so many people hate him? Why did he and Mary Jane have this massive breakup? How the heck is she already, if it was only six months, how is she already in this deep relationship with some other dude where she's living together and his kids are calling her mom? I, I, I feel like I completely missed something that just makes absolutely no sense. And there's just such tension between the two. It's. I get that. Yeah, you can break up with someone and then meet someone else, but it's just like, oh my gosh, like six months, and it's just like complete. I don't know. It just seems weird. But what's going on? Uh, Vulture is mad at Spider-Man because apparently Vulture told Vulture, or apparently Spider-Man told Vulture's granddaughter that Vulture is like an evil dude and that he's murdered people. I don't remember them talking because I know she's talked to Miles. And at first I was like, wait, did Vulture get it wrong when she said Spider-Man that she really meant Miles and not Peter? So Vulture is like attacking Spider-Man and he did some, he was pretty savvy. He's, you know, he's so, but although <laughs> the, the kind of ironic thing and, and Spider-Man does bring it up, it's like, okay, you're mad because your granddaughter knows that you're a murderer, yet you're trying to kill me. So he, he grabs Spider-Man, you know, flies him way high up and then he shreds his web shooters. 
you know, destroys them. So it's like, okay, dude, I'm going to drop you. What are you going to do from here? So it's just kind of interesting. You can see undercover is like, what's up with this new costume? So where this is eventually kind of going very, very, very soon is, you know, Norman Osborn has, has been cleansed of his sins. The, the recent, uh, what was the dude's name? So the, the dude, kind of Harry Osborn, um, Anyways, with the Sin Eater coming back. So Norman Osborn is not bad anymore, so they say, for now. And he offered Peter a job at Osborn um, Enterprises, Osborn Industries. I think it's Industries, right? And he's like, I have a costume for it. And Peter's like, no. He's like, I don't want anything to do with it. But then, obviously, he's, he's going to have to take it, <laughs> of course. So to me, it's just like this is just like um, – when Parker Industries or Parker, whatever, when, you know, we had all that happen or even like Spider-Man Beyond, you know, it's like, it's just, it feels like we go through these little like event arcs, whatever, where let's change the status quo. I remember when they made a big deal, Spider-Man's getting a new costume. It was two issues and we haven't seen anything of it since. I don't know. So we'll see. So yeah, Spider-Man's getting this new costume and he's got like a spider glider or whatever. And uh, yeah, we have that. Um, Avengers Forever issue eight. Oh my gosh, this is making me mad. I don't care about all these. I, I I know I shouldn't even bother reading them, but it's like okay, maybe something's gonna happen here. This would be different. I should check this out. But again, we got Thor on the cover. It's not Thor. It's a different version of Thor, and we're gonna see what. I, and I just like I can't read this, and I just stop. So I don't know how far this is going, and it's it's not that it's not just contained in Avengers Forever. It's like Avengers Forever and Avengers. Although in Avengers we had to sidetrack because we have an axe um, crossover issue. It's just, uh, calm down, Tony. I'm getting angry. I'm getting worked up here. Captain America: Symbol of Truth, Issue Four. Uh, okay, so there's like stuff going on with Wakanda. All these people are they're trying to say, "Hey, come to Wakanda," you know, and everything. So Sam goes investigate. He goes and he has been kind of told. He tried talking to the Shuri, and she's like, "Dude, just stay out of it. I want to talk to you." Bleep, hangs up. And uh, the government, I think, is like kind of the same thing. Although they want to know what's going because there's this sh shipments of vibranium coming out. We're like, what's up with that? And are you aware that this is being sold in a black market and p people are on this train are being like kidnapped and like, what is happening? No one wants to talk about anything. I think even T'Challa was like rude about it. So Sam goes to Wakanda kind of, you know, goes in through false means or whatever. And um, then he ends, he has a run in with crossbones. He finds out crossbones plans, what he's trying to do and who's he's trying to pin it on and, and stuff like that. And then it's just, a, I hated the last page. It's just like this angry confrontation between Sam and someone, which you, you can kind of figure out by where he's at. It's just just ridiculous. So we'll, we'll see. Um, Carnage number five came out, and I did not even look at this comic. I refuse. I, I, not, although I was tempted, I was about to click it and say, well, what was the synopsis? I don't even want to know. Don't, 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 don't look at it, Tony. Don't do it. Damage Control Issue 1. So this is by uh, Charlton Fullerton, Adam F. Goldberg. Um, this is, it says, by the, the creators of TV's The Goldberg. And, okay. <sighs> so they're bringing back damage control. Awesome. Great. I've always loved uh, the, the novelty of damage control. I, I think it's, it's a brilliant thing. But this, this issue just did not do it to me. And, you know, they're, they're adding the humor 
angle, great. I'm all for it. You know it. I'm 100% down for that. But this is too much. Basically, we got this dude. He gets hired at, at damage control. He's talking to this other guy who started off as an intern, but now he's head intern because that's supposed to be funny. And then he's like, it's like, hey, how'd you, you get this job? You know, where'd you, he's like, oh, they just reach out to me or something, you know, whatever, whatever. So this guy has like no qualifications. He works, he starts working there. They're going to start him off in the mail room because that's where you start. And so here he's, he's starting at this, this big corporation, weird interdimensional stuff inside the building. And there's like, you know, superstar cameos left and right, you know, different heroes and stuff like that. So this this guy, you it would be like intimidating is is all whatever, and he's just doing like he's just being so rude and and I don't know yeah it's just it, it just really started bothering me. So at one point they're like okay you need you need to deliver all this mail all the mail has to be delivered on this floor by five p.m. whatever and then they're like oh it was this one dude's uh, birthday so you need to deliver this ice cream cake so you should probably do that first so it doesn't melt. Goes in an elevator. Oh, Ghost Rider's in there. So, of course, you know, the, the, the cake's going to start melting. Then he's like, oh, I just need to deliver this cake. He goes to the floor, and it's like this infinite floor. Not, It's not quite infinite, but it's like this huge, dimensionally massive floor. So he's got to try to find this guy. And and then then the guy's angry because his cake's melted. So then this, this new intern dude, he starts eating the cake. He's like, oh, sorry, I stress eat. And it's like... That you cannot have that kind of nerve to just do that, and there, there's like other things, and hmm, and I, I think I just really wanted to like this issue, and and it, it just it it almost came off as more of a parody than trying to be like a funny Marvel book, and I just I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Fantastic Four, uh, forty six. So this is uh, wrapping up. Dance last this I this believe this is the last issue. All right, guest starring Namor. Namor wasn't in this, was he? I totally don't even remember. Uh let's see. Not a dream, not a hoax. This is real. Thanks to the knowledge of the watchers, the lost daughter of Nathaniel Richards has been found. It's time to finally meet the mysterious sister of Reed Richards. But is it time to welcome her into the family? It's a day of amazing adventures, both in her world and the world of the Fantastic Four. I don't remember Namor being in here at all. So basically Reed find out found out that he has a sister because Nathaniel is apparently a dog or something. Uh, and uh, so he goes and talks to her, and then he's like, oh, you want to come with us and do this, whatever? And at first she's like, no, but then she's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go, because they're going to go to what's that other planet where Johnny's soulmate was because they've been working on trying to cure him from being overly cosmically charged, you know, where he can't turn off his, his flame powers. So she's like witnessing all this stuff, and and all the family's like, like, hey, Aunt, what's I forget what her name is, um, and they're just like, oh, super. They're like, oh, this is cool, yeah, and everything. And she's like, oh, I'm not. You can't just be fam that familiar with me, whatever. So just like all the stuff, and I, I don't know where they're going with this, and I'm all for her the, being an interesting new character, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we had Janice Vell, Captain Marvel. Uh, I, I really don't know how to take so this is written by Peter David who's you know worked worked on with the, the character before and I, I like the fact that we have Rick Jones here obviously but part of me is like wait when is this taking place because you know Peter David's been doing a lot of like the Maestro Hulk and was he doing something else oh the, the symbiote Spider-Man so he's doing all these books that are taking place like in the past like in a certain era and kind of fleshing out additional stories I think this is taking place 
now. And it's um, I, I the thing with with Jen is fell. I'm intrigued with the character. I want to like, but I feel like I don't really know the character. And I'm trying to think with his series because he had a series before. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I consistently read all of it before. So I don't know, but I am curious like where this is going to go. Then there's Marauders issue five, and I'm I'm struggling with this too, and I think it's because like all the the space stuff and uh, Shiar stuff, but then um, yeah, I don't know what, what's going on because we have Nemesis is here somehow, and I don't really know what's going on. And uh, Cassandra Nova, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just I, I feel like the X-Men stuff is kind of like nearing the end of the, its current era. And then something else is going to kind of like change, mix up the status quo of everything. So part of me is like, should I be reading this? Should I get invested? Should I take the time to read this when it's just going to end in something else? I don't know. I, I know that that's a bad opinion or, or stance to try to take, but and I, I really, it's, it's got Kitty Pride, Kate Pride in there. It's like, I should be totally all over it, but there's something about it. And some of the other characters, I'm just not super crazy about either. So I'm trying to be more selective where I, I do want to read as much as I can so I can talk about it on the show. But also, I don't want to read stuff just out of habit. Or because I, you you get what I'm saying? I know I should be reading everything so I can talk about it. Because someone may want to hear about, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of something that I I skipped over that came out. Like Carnage. (laughs) Someone may want to hear about Carnage. I am sorry. I I don't know if I could do that for you. Maybe if there's like a specific request, requests. So I don't know. But yeah, I'm just... I, I flipped through it. I will continue to at least flip through it, try to read some stuff. I mean, maybe if this like wraps up this story, we'll see like what happens and then maybe I'll be like, okay, this is cool. Just like Miles Morales Spider-Man issue 41, I, c- I cannot stand this story where, you know, Miles has been going through the multiverse trying to find his uncle Aaron and everything like that and he goes to this other world where he sees like his adult sister and there's like evil whatever Miles and yeah, so I believe this is the end of that arc. And thank goodness, because I just, I, this is not the Miles Morales that I want to read. I just, oh my gosh, where, where is Miles? Where, where, what has, what's going on? I don't know. Shang-Chi and uh, the Ten Rings, issue two. So we, we see, uh, what I kind of liked about this, I don't, I'm not like super familiar with like old Shang-Chi stories, but we, we get someone, I'm assuming there's some characters that are legit from his past. Like there's this one woman that, that he knew. They might have been sort of involved and they worked a lot. There was like this love triangle that was mentioned. And uh, I don't remember if she works for MI6 or something. But they kind of team up. And then there's this villain that apparently Shang-Chi has fought before. I, I Again, I didn't bother looking up to see, like, is this a real villain? Is this real? I, th- I think, no, I think it was because they did reference, like, Shang-Chi, Master Kung Fu Issue 5 or, you know, something, whatever. So I, I like that that they are embracing or kind of like acknowledge, not necessarily acknowledging the past, but using the past and, and bringing these characters forward to the presence and utilizing them rather than like, oh, we just had a Shang-Chi movie. Let's, let's try to make everything like this to try to bring relevance to this character in the current day. I l- absolutely love that they're using these old connections and trying to f- expand on them and flesh them out. I, I still, Shang-Chi is not necessarily my favorite character, but I am really intrigued with and, and interested in what, what's going on. And plus, Marcus Toe art, <laughs> you know, I love that. 
Spider Gwen, Gwenverse, issue five. I really wanted to like this this series. This is the last one, so I, I didn't read it. <laughs> Star Wars of Darth Vader, issue 26. I, I'm really digging this. I love the fact that Sabe is here. I even like the, the fact that we have, um, what's his name? Kitster? Kit? Uh, some other, so we, it's like these weird connections to young Anakin and Darth Vader. Like it's, it's really interesting what he, like, why is he doing what he's doing? Like, why is he working with Sabe? And, you know, and we get some flashback scenes to like young Anakin and, you know, different things from the different movies. So it's, it's interesting to see the parallels, like those things and how they're kind of affecting like what's happening currently and, and everything. So I, I'm, I'm, and then there's uh, stuff with the emperors. Like, how much does the emperor know? What is you know, and what is he? How involved is he? And why is he laughing? And how creepy would that laugh be? Because emperor is just a big poo-poo head. But I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. And uh, with that, hopefully you enjoyed this segment. That is going to be it. There was Wolverine patch issue five, which I can't get into that. So that is going to be comics for the week. Okay, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, season one, episode one. And uh, I guess there's no title. I, I, I don't know if Game of Thrones had title to their episodes, but this one didn't. All right, so here's the thing. I don't know how I felt about this show. You know, as I've mentioned several times, I've, I've never watched all of the Game of Thrones episodes. And, and part of it, I think when it first came out, I, maybe I didn't have HBO or I don't know what it was. Finally, I had it, and I was so far behind. And and I think it was also a matter of keeping up with all the other comic, you know, whatever stuff related. And I, it wasn't something that I was covering, so I didn't feel compelled to have to watch all the episodes and, and so forth. I, I think it was a few years ago, because and also what what when uh, I don't remember how far it was. I watched the first episode after the you know after it aired. I wasn't overly impressed with with what happened. I'm like, okay, this was fine. I had no desire to really like, oh man, I got to see it. And then it was a few years later. I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a shot again. I, I watched some more. I, I think I got like almost through the first season, and then a few years later, after that, then I, I started to watch more. So, and I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it in like maybe four years. <laughs> Uh, and oh, this was like way before HBO Max. So I was watching on the HBO Go uh, app. And now I don't even know where I left off. Because at least with that, it's like, oh, I, okay, you know, you, you turn it on, you go to Game of Thrones, and it tells you to let, what episodes you've watched. You, you can see. I have no idea. I, I'm on either season three or four. I, I couldn't tell you. And I, I just don't have the time with watching everything else and, and you know, reading everything. But with this, because this is taking place like almost 200 years ahead of time uh, than uh, Game of Thrones, I was like, well, I could probably watch this without having seen how the show ended. And there's also the fact that a lot of people complain about how the show ended. So they're like, oh, don't even bother finishing it or whatever. But I, I do I do want to finish it at some point. It's just a matter of, of, of time. So someday I, I'll, I'll get around to it. So I decided to give this a, a, a chance, and I don't know if it's because I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan. I don't know if it's because I haven't watched. Uh, you know, I'm not like devoted and like, oh, I need to see more of this world. Oh, a prequel, what happened? I just don't feel that 
I don't, you know, compulsion. So watching, and I also think I, I've noticed this a lot. I don't think I really like old timey stuff so much. You know, I like kind of present day and future stuff. So when it gets to more like historical, it's just it doesn't quite resonate so much with me. And and even like going with with Westworld in the beginning, like oh, this is a western. I, although I do like westerns. You know, I'm I, I'm not obsessed with them, but I, I do I can appreciate them. So maybe that's not the best example, but. Something with, with this, uh, like like the Northman was that that the movie that just came out earlier this year. I didn't love it. It's, it was a good movie, and I'm sure people. I hope people dug it. I didn't. So I, I think that might be how it is with this show. I I, I did see that it was like huge, you know, viewers uh, on on HBO. It's like the biggest premiere or something like that. Awesome. That's great. Congratulations, everyone involved, and no sarcasm at all in that that statement. It's just, I was watching and I'm, I just wasn't super crazy excited and we'll see how I'm, as I was watching, I was like, should I even continue watching? Cause the other thing I don't want to, I don't want to be like poo pooing on something, especially if someone's like really loves it and they're like, man, this guy, what, what's going on. But then if you want to hear like a recap and everything like that, you know, I also want to provide that since I'm you know, trying to give you what you want. And if you want Game of Thrones, I will do what I can. So, you know, let, let's just get into it. So this is what happened. It starts off this woman's narrating. She's like, as the first century of the Targaryen dynasty came to close, the health of the old king Jaehaerys. And I think that's I guess, if I can remember how to say their names. Uh, the health of the old King Jaehaerys was failing. In those days, House Targaryen stood at the height of its strength with 10 adult dragons under its yoke. No power in the world could stand against it. King Jaehaerys reigned over nearly 60 years of peace and prosperity, but tragedy had claimed both his sons, leaving his, his succession in doubt. So in the year 101, the old king called a great council to choose an heir. Over a thousand lords made the journey to Harrenhal, Fourteen succession claims were heard, but only two were truly considered. Princess, um, oh, now I totally forgot how you say your name, Rhaenys. It's R-H-A-E-N-Y-S. They said her name several times, and I'm totally drawing a blank. Princess Rhaenys Targaryen. 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 <laughs> I'm going to butcher everyone's names like a hundred times worse than I normally do. Uh, Princess Rhaenys Targaryen, the king's eldest descendant, and her younger cousin, Prince Viserys Targaryen, the king's oldest male descendant. So we see this king like opens this scroll and it's announced that Prince uh, Viserys Targaryen will be made the Prince of Dragonstone. Narration continues. Rhaenys, a woman, could not inherit the Iron Throne. Viserys I guess it is the, the narrator's father or something like that, because she's saying my father is. So Jaehaerys called a great council to prevent a war being fought over succession. He knew the only thing that could tear down the house of dragon was itself. So then we see some text on the screen. It is now the ninth year of King Viserys I Targaryen's reign. 172 years before the death of the Mad King. I'm assuming that's something with Game of Thrones. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, Ares and the birth of his daughter, Princess Daenerys Terrigan. I I know who that is. Uh, So we see this dragon flying through the clouds and then over city and into this palace. There's a rider in the back. This is a Princess Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra, right? Rhaenyra. (laughs) 
<laughs> this dude, Sir, what does S-E-R mean? Sir, Sir Harold Westeros, played by Graham McTavish. He was in uh, um, Outlander. He's been in some other things. He, he's, he's a really good actor. So he greets her, and she goes off in this carriage with her friend, Alicent, to the castle. Rhaenyra's, Rhaenyra's, that, I don't think that's how you say her name. And I hope no one's like really cringing if I'm saying it wrong. Her mom, the, the queen, is pregnant. And she says that, uh, she's telling Rainier, she's like, soon you'll be lying in this bed, whatever. It's how we serve the king. Basically saying you're, you'll be pregnant giving a kid at, at some point. And she's like, well, I'd rather serve as a knight. So you get the impression right away that Rhaenyra is not, not really like a tomboy, but she's a little tougher. You know, she doesn't want to be all prim and proper, which is, is great. So the king talks to his council. They want him to talk to his brother, Damon, played by Matt Smith, about attending. You know, he's never there. He's busy or whatever. He, he was a, a, appointed the commander of the city watch. So he's, like, doing that. Rhaenyra, <laughs> Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra goes into the throne room, and Damon's in there alone, sitting on the Iron Throne. And, you know, he's not supposed to be there, but he's, you know, doing it. He brought her a gift, this necklace, and I forget what it was supposed to mean or something. I don't know. So then Rhaenyra and Allison are sitting out in the woods. You know, she's supposed to be studying or something like that. And Rhaenyra hopes that she has a brother. And she's like, you're not worried about your position? And she's like, no. She's like, I just want to ride on a dragon with you and have cake. She's like, oh, come on. She's like, I never joke about cake or whatever. So the king apparently has this, like, uh, cut on his, his, his back and they, he says it's from sitting on the throne or something like that. It's not healing. One, uh, someone's like, like maybe we should try, you know, leeches or something like that. And then this one guy's like, we could try cauterization, but it, you know, it'll hurt. And the king's like, fine, just do it. So I'm not really sure if that has to do with his health or whatever. I had no idea what what that means. We see the queen taking a bath. The king talks where he's certain that the baby will be a boy. He says he has a dream. She tells him that this is will be the last time. She's like, I lost one babe in the cradle. I had two stillbirths and two pregnancies ended before their term. She's like, that's five in twice as many years. She's like, I know it's my duty to provide you know you an heir, and I'm sorry if I failed you. But she's like, I've mourned all the dead children that I can. Then we see Damon talking to his city watch, whatever guys. You know, he's saying how there's, there's so much crime and stuff in his brother's city. So they like punish all these like thieves and murderers, and it's like really brutal and everything like that. Then later, the King wants to talk to Damon about his doings in the city with the city watch, whatever. Then he sits with the others on the council, you know, talking about making a public spectacle of wanton brutality is hardly in line with their laws or something like that. Damon's talking about how like these important people are coming to the city and they shouldn't have to worry about murder and rape. So he's making the city safer for all people and, and stuff like that. The King hopes that he just doesn't have to maim half the city in order to achieve that. But, you know, and they, they start commenting with the commenting that Damon's like not interested in his life. Um, he has a wife, Lady Rhea or something like that, but he doesn't like want to be with her because I think she's like somewhere. I, I don't know. So then it's time for some big games. There's gonna be like knights and jousting and all, all this stuff like that. Oda King also announces to the crowd that the queen has begun her labors. So she's in going through labor now. She's about to give birth. So it's like, dude, you should be there <laughs> instead of watching this like you know, jousting, whatever. So we sweet to jousting, you know, and of course it's, it's kind of rough and brutal and everything like that. What's interesting is like sometimes if like uh, the first time they pass each other and, you know, they try to hit each other with the, the big joust, if 
someone doesn't fall off, then they like turn around. You know, someone throws them a, a, a lance. <laughs> what did I say? Did I say joust? <laughs> someone throws them a lance, whatever. Then they just like boom, go like right at it. They just go until they knock someone else else off. Then it, it appears that Damon is going to joust too. So he gets hit, but he doesn't fall off. And then, you know, so he's like, he go, then you go right away again like that. And the, the second time he passes, he bends or he like jousts down to like trip the horse and then, then like the dude falls off so it's like the, the poor horse like falls over and is like laying there for a while and finally it, it gets off but it's like is that legal i mean i don't know what the the jousting rules are but it, it seems like that's not okay i guess he won i don't know then the king is called off the, the baby he gets there the baby's breached so it's like, of course, right? <laughs> Jousting starts getting fighting. And it's weird because then it turns into this, this brawl. And then people just start like w- hacking at each other. Like this dude gets an axe to the face. There's like bl- blood flying everywhere. And people are just watching. And it's just like some people are like looking away. So it's like, <laughs> what? And here, this is a point where it's like, uh, did I miss something? It's like, what is the purpose of this? Like, oh, my goodness. So the, the king is told that sometimes a father must make a difficult choice, you know, to save one or lose both. The child could possibly save by cutting into the womb. So the king is kind of struggling. And then he's like, you can save the child because, you know, he's sure that this is going to be a son. And his wife even said this is going to be the last time. But it's just like, you know, he cares about his wife. So it's time for Damon to go up again um, after, you know, all of the bloodshed for whatever. And they go through one pass, whatever, the second pass, and then it cuts. The king's talking to his wife. He says that they're going to um, bring the baby out now. And he tells you, he's like, I love you. And the queen starts getting confused because, you know, she's tired and struggling and hot and just everything like that. And she's like, what's happening? And he's like, oh, it's all right. Handmaidens come or whatever, like are holding her down. And then doctor starts cutting and she's screaming. So there's like no anesthesia because, you know, it wasn't invented back then. They just start, like, cutting at her her, her stomach, her, you know, her big belly to, to get to the, to pull the baby out. And she can feel it all. So it's just like, oh, my goodness. Damon gets hit. He's, like, hanging off his horse. And he's, I, I don't know what the divider, the metal, like, pole divider thing. He's just kind of, like, like getting scraped on, on that. And then he falls off. But he doesn't lose because the other guy gets off his horse. And it's time for... The, the fight, like hand-to-hand combat, or not hand-to-hand, the fight one in, one another. So he has a sword. The other dude has this big mace. And, you know, they have their sword, so they start fighting. Doctor reaches in the queen's belly. And she's then it's like kind of like silent and for you make it more dramatic. She's you know silently screaming. There's blood just like gushing out everywhere. Uh, stuff goes on, and it looks like Damon won because he's he's like you know the other guy's down. He's waving to the crowd, all smiling. But then the other dude gets up. You know, he's behind him. It smash smacks him in the back with the mace and then uh damon goes reach for a sword kicks the sword away damon pulls out a little knife about to stab him but then the guy steps on his wrist and he's got the mace up he's like yield but damon just lies there looking up it's like he refuses to, to yield so the guy decides to drop the mace and then he offers him his hand and damon just like smacks it away so i think that this guy was like sir Kristen. Kristen, i don't know the king is congratulated. He has a son. Have they chosen a name? And he says, Balion, B-A-E-L-O-N. And then so he's like, you know, his wife just died. So he's like just sitting next to her. The doctor dude's like holding the baby and everything like that. And then he like looks at it kind of concerned. And we don't, it's like, wait, what's going on? 
at the joust, all the like important people are talking. And so it's like, have they heard about what's going on? Because they're like kind of whispering to each other, whatever. The baby died. The wife is dead. So there's a funeral. Like, you know, wife's all wrapped up. And it's like, they, they don't straight up tell you. I was like, wait a minute. I had to rewind it a bit. And I was like, did, did that really happen? And you see, so like the, the wife's, you know, queen's all wrapped up. Then you see like a little bundle next to it. So there, there's a funeral. Like Damon tells Rhaenyra. <laughs> and she's like the main, one of the main people in, in the, the show. And I, I don't, I forgot, totally forgot how to say her name. I knew it when I watched it. He's like, your father needs you now more than ever, whatever. And and she's saying that you know she'll never be his son and all this stuff like that. Because you know, I think she said something like like he hasn't even spoken to me, whatever, since or, or, or no, maybe that's no, that that was later. She says that. So uh, then finally she goes up. She gives a command to the dragon to torch the bodies, and the the you know king's like clearly upset. Then the council wants to talk to the king about his heir. Because he doesn't have an heir now, so one dude's like, "Well, Damon should be named." And then, but then there was like talk, there were that Damon would be uh, would try to murder him for the crown because you know he's just so violent and rough and tumble and whatever, like stuff like that. So then, um, but it, Damon's actually listening from like in the, some secret alcove or something like that. But then they're like, "Who else could be named?" So the, there's a king's firstborn child, you know, Rhaenyra. Uh, there's never been a girl error. Then the king says, he's like, I won't choose between my brother and daughter. Because this other guy's like, well, what about uh, the other Rhaenyras or something like that? Because she was like the queen who never was queen or some, you know, she was a daughter of the other king, but something like that. And then uh, uh, the king, he finally yells at them. He's like, you're bickering over over who, you know, who it should be. You're like crows picking at corpses or something like that. And he just like leaves. So then uh, this dude, I, I don't know who this guy was, but he talks to Allison. He, he thinks that she should go to the king's chamber and comfort the king. I think he's trying to imply like, oh, you should do, 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 do some things, whatever, make him happy, which is kind of gross because I don't know how old she is because I'm, I'm horrible with ages, but she's like, she's Rhaenyra's, what's her name's like best friend practically. And I feel like, I, maybe I'm totally oblivious, but I almost feel like that that those two are together like you know that they have feelings for each other whether they've acted on them or they're just i don't know if they're just best friends or if they're lovers or in between they don't know but there's something like she's there and like her something happened to her mom and you know so she's like been part of like the inner circle of the family you know she's kind of a servant or like you know serve, serving staff she's like well i wouldn't know what to say or whatever so she goes and, you know, the king's like building like some models, like a kingdom or castle or whatever. And then she comes in. She's like, oh, I brought a book. And then she talks about like when her mother died. And, and she's like, you, you know, no one ever really said anything to me. And she's like, all I wanted was for someone to say they were sorry. And then so she's like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about, you know, your, your wife and stuff like that. And he's like, thank you. So I hope I don't think anything gross, you know, happened between them. But I don't know. We see Damon's like in a pub or somewhere like that. There's a lot of um, uh, companionship going on like around him. And this dude who like, like, oh, you should speak. Or, you know, wants him to give like, you know, a big speech or something like that. So then the king is told that Damon took his his watch to a, a pleasure house. So that's at first I was like, is this just a regular pub and everyone's just going at it like willy nilly? Willy's all like all over or whatever. And he's told that he he made a toast to the the heir for a day so later damon's called in and the king's like sitting on his throne and he asks him he's like did if you say it did you call him the heir for a day and there's like a long pause 
and Damon finally says, he's like, well, and, you know, again, this is Matt Smith, so who is like, he's awesome. You know, I, I will say that, you know, he, he was really, really good here. He's like, we must all mourn in our own way your grace. Because the king, he's like, you must, you will address me as your grace when they were talking before. So the king says that, he's like, my family has been destroyed. And, and instead of being by my side or Rhaenyra's, you choose to celebrate your own rise. You celebrate it with your whores and I forget what else, like his dudes or whatever. He's like, you have no allies in this court except for me. I've only ever defended you, yet everything I've given you, you've thrown back in my face. Then Damon's like, you've only ever tried to send me away to the Vale, to the City Watch, anywhere but your side. And Damon says, he's like, that he, you know, he's been king for ten years. He's never asked him to be his hand, and he's like, "Why would would I?" You know, he's his other guys like loyal or something like that. And Damon Damon says that he's like, "I would protect you. I'd you know, I'd watch your back or something like that." And uh, Damon's like, "I would protect you from yourself." He's like, "You're weak." He's like, "The the council leeches know it," and the king's like, "I've decided to name my heir." And Damon's like, "I'm your heir," and he's like, "Not anymore." It's like you are to return to Rhinestone and your lady wife at once, and you are to do so without quarrel by, by your king. And Damon like moves forward, but then the king's guard like steps in his way because they think that he's like about to attack him or something like that. Then he's like, "Your grace," and then he leaves. So then Renera goes to her her father later, and because she I guess she was called there, and he asks her, he's like what do you see when you look at a, a dragon? Cause there's a dragon there. And she's like, you haven't said a word to me since the funeral. And then she's like, he's like, what's well, important. So she's like, I see us, you know, we are closer to the gods and others and blah, 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 all the stuff like that. And then he says that he's sorry. He's like, I've wasted years wanting for a son. He's like, you are the very best of your mother. He's like, you could be a great ruler. And she's like, well, what about Damon? And he says something like how he's not fit for the crown. And he says that, you know, this isn't a, a, a thing to take lightly. You know, a, a dragon saddle is one thing. The Iron Throne is the most dangerous seat in the realm. So it's made official. All these people gathered, you know, they, my am whatever, and I pledge my loyalty to the king and his heir, the princess, whatever. And then uh, the king says that a Targaryen must sit on the throne to unite the lands or something like that. And that's where it ends. So, I mean, it's interesting, but what I think is going to happen... And I could be wrong because they, you know they they showed like a, a a trailer like this this season coming up. I think this Rhaenyras and Allison. I think there's gonna be like a little time jump because I think we might see them older. I could be wrong. I don't know. I I haven't like read any interviews or information about the show. And it's not that I don't care. It's just because I don't want too many spoilers. You know, I know I should be on top of the news and, and know what's going on and all that stuff like that. But I also want to be able to watch it and enjoy it. And it's like, oh, wow, we're taking a 10-year time jump or something like that. And then I would be caught off guard versus knowing like, oh, the first episode or first three episodes or whatever. And then it's going to – so I don't think – I don't know. I could be wrong. Or maybe it'll jump back. I Who knows? I mean, you you may know if, if you've been gobbling up every piece of you know news or whatever. But, yeah. So with that, you know, I, I – there, there's some cool parts like you know some of the action scenes like especially like all the sword fight you know the, the when they're after the joust you know it, it was pretty crazy and and all that uh, the dragons were cool and and there's it's interesting but yeah I, I i mean i'm not like holy crap i gotta watch more i mean i'll I'm, i will watch it but i can't say that i loved it and i again i don't want to 
give it a the show or be a disservice and i don't want anyone to be bummed it's like why don't you love this it's it's like if if i heard someone like talking about severance saying that it was just an okay show i'd be like uh what are you talking about (laughs) so that was a that was the first episode (laughs) and we're gonna be like a week behind because it's a sunday night show and the podcast goes live like sunday so there's no way I, i could do it but so gives you time to watch it and catch up Okay, then out of nowhere, and I guess I kind of knew but didn't know or whatever, they, so I'm trying to think when this goes, so the f- a week ago, week and a couple days, Netflix dropped an 11th episode of The Sandman because The Sandman was 10 episodes and then they dropped one more. And this was, a, so it was probably like two weeks after, Maybe maybe almost three weeks, two weeks after you know the other episode came out, they're like, "Hey, wait, there's one more," which is kind of cool. It's a, it's a nice surprise, especially because <laughs> you know how we feel about everything dropping at once. So this it, it adds to the longevity. So here, I broke the season down into two weeks, so that that meant two weeks of talking about it on on this podcast. Now. I'm talking about it for a third week because they added one more episode. If they would have had 11 episodes to begin with, I would have still covered it within the two weeks. You know, I would have tried to split it in half and whatever. So it's uh, it, it's really cool that they did this. What what they did. So there's basically like, kind of like two episodes in one when, with the one hour. There's Dream of a Thousand Cats and Calliope. These were both uh, short stories in the Sandman run. And um, I think it was like issue 17 and 18. I think they actually flipped it. I think Calliope was, I think, don't quote me, even though I'm saying it and you could quote me. Uh, I think Calliope was issue 17 and Dream of a Thousand Cats was 18. I could be totally wrong, but that's what what I have in my head. So um, Dream of a Thousand Cats is kind of interesting because it's like this weird not really weird but it's it's an animated episode or story and we see this this little kitten in the kitchen this dude's cleaning up and then you know they put the kitten in this little uh, you know cat basket then there's this gray cat outside the window and he and the the cats are speaking but their mouths aren't moving so somehow they're communicating i don't know if it's telepathy or we just don't worry about it but he's like tonight's the night and the kitten's like i can't get out it's all closed up so the gray cat's like there's always a way Kitten goes upstairs. There's a window open. It's sitting there. It jumps out to this tree branch, barely makes it, and the gray cat pulls it up. Then they, they go down. They're, they're walking to see her, and there's a, a lot of other cats that are, like, making their way to the cemetery. Interesting thing, as I'm watching this, my cat is sitting on the couch next to me, like, sleeping, kind of sleeping, and every time you'd hear the cat's meow, it's like his ears were, like, kind of twitching and perking up, and his eyes, like, slowly, like, cracked open looking and after a while he's like okay whatever <laughs> uh so she arrives she's a, a siamese and she says that she wasn't always if they see her you know once she lived in their world like them and she's like like them she also fooled herself she there you know because her owners they fed her they only asked for her f- affection this uh male cat is outside it was her choice of a lover then she never saw him again. So she had kittens. The owner's upset because she's a purebred Siamese, and these are just like this mixed thing. He's like, they're not worth anything. So then he, you know, the owner tells his wife, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll take care of him. She's like, where are you going? Whatever. He's got them all in a sack. He drives them away. 
then we see him put a brick. This is horrible. He puts a brick in the, in the, the bag, tosses them into a lake, and you see just like the, the bag going down. The Siamese tells all the other cats that she felt them from far in the dark, felt them thrashing and clawing and their fear, and then they were gone. Then back at the house, the dude's like, well, it's not as, as if she understands. You know, she's probably relieved, you know, not having all these like, kittens like hanging on her or whatever. And the lady's like, I don't know. Maybe you're right. So then the, the Siamese, you know, she's laying in front of the fireplace and she like prayed to the darkness to the king of the cat. And then she dreamed. So then we see the Siamese cats like in this world full of like skulls and there's like this bird comes with like, you know, it's like all skeleton. She's supposed to be in the heart of the dreaming. So she tells the the bone bird, whatever that that is, I think it's like a, a bone raven maybe, that she's come for justice, revelation and wisdom. And um, the, the bird's like, he says, the other two are, I forget what he said, but then he says revelation is part of dreams. He's like, there's a cave, but the journey will be hard. So she walks down this path, path like through the wood, wood of ghosts she heard her children calling, but she stayed on the path because I guess it's supposed to be like, you know, you can get lost if you stray from the path or whatever like that. She um, went through the cold place, the wetness, you know, still she walked forward through the darkness and the void. And then she was at this mountain. There's this like dragon, Pegasus and Griffin, like guarding this cave. And then, you know, at first they're like, who are you? What are you going, you know, whatever. And she's warned that dreams have a price because, you know, she tells them why she's there, but because her kids or whatever and stuff like that. So she goes in a cave, there's more skulls, and then there's this big, like, cat king inside, and it's Dream's voice. She wants to know why could they, they take her children from her? Why do they live as they do? She doesn't understand. And the king tells her to look into his eyes. In his eyes, you know, she saw everything. And she saw their truth. Um, you know, many seasons ago, cats truly world, ruled the world. They were large then, and everything was made for them. So humans would groom and feed them. They would, uh, the cats would hunt the humans. It was a game of cat and man instead of cat and mouse. Then one of the humans, Rose, inspired by Dream, says, uh, to, you know, tells everyone to dream a new world, a world that they r- rule. If enough of them dream it, then it will happen. So dreams shaped the world, the word spread. Then one night, enough of them dreamed, a thousand perhaps. The next day, things changed, and they were prey to them, to, to the dogs and their machines. Then the dream king says that they dreamed it. They dreamed it so it was always like that. So from the dawn of time, so basically like erased everything and like reset, whatever. So now she knows what she must do. She wakes up at the house. She goes out the cat door. She, you know, to she left the house to spread the, the good news. She travels from place to place, preaches to cats all over. Her message is to dream it. If enough dream it, then they can dream a new world. And the cats just meow. You know, they're just meowing, whatever. So then the kitten goes to her. She's like, Mistress, I believe. And then the the Siamese like, then there's hope, child. So the kitten and the gray cat go back, and he's like. He says that he'd like to see anyone, prophet, god, or king, persuade a thousand cats to dream the same thing. Because, you know, cats are so stubborn, they'll, they just do what they want to do. So it, he's basically saying it's never going to happen. Then the owner sees, like, the kitten dreaming. He's like, oh, look, it's cute. Whatever, you know, he's just sitting there. Then they're like, I wonder what it's dreaming of. And, and then the kitten, like, and, like snaps her the jaw, like, while sleeping. So, like, kind of dreaming of being vicious or whatever. I don't know. And so that was only like 60 minutes. And then the, the rest of the episode is, is Calliope. So there's this uh, dude, Richard Maddock. He's talking to like a college class about writing characters. So it's Arthur Darville, who was uh, Rory in Doctor Who, who was a Rip Hunter in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So 
it was cool seeing him here. He's uh, the classic like, controlling the narrative, whatever. And then he takes questions. This one lady asks uh, to talk about his process. She's like, how do you write and not hate everything that you write? And he's like, well, if I'm being honest, you know, he's like, it doesn't get any easier. And, he, you know, he just goes on. And then uh, he sees this woman like in the scrubs come in in the back. And then um, he's like, okay, th- th- that's it for today. Thank you, blah, 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 whatever. She comes up to him and she, uh, you know, when people are walking out, she gives him like this something in a jar. And he thanks her, and she's like, oh, it's admirable how, how far you're willing to go for research. And she says that, you know, she wanted to be a writer, but her parents pushed her into being a doctor or something like that. And he's like, oh, your, your parents were wise. He goes to a house at night. There's this old dude, Mr. Fry, I forgot what his first name was. He answers the door, and Maddox's like, I got it. So Maddox is struggling with writing, says he hasn't written a single thing in over a year. So he gives Fry a jar, and he's like, oh, it's a genuine Trichino Bizarre or something like that. And Maddox has no idea what that is. So Fry says that they're generally removed from the stomachs of young women who are in the habit of ingesting their own hair. And they, they call it the Rapunzel syndrome. That was in another book. I remember reading something, or I don't think it was, maybe it was from that, this episode. I don't know. I remember hearing that about this before. They were once to believed to possess mystic powers. Fry goes on and on. Then he's like, oh, I'm lecturing again, you know, because he's like, when you live alone, you get used to your own voice or whatever. So then he's going to give Maddox his present now. So he says that he was 27 visiting Mount Helican, um, which is interesting. Mount Helican was mentioned in this other movie that I watched later, uh, which I'll mention. Um, he was re- researching a novel about Greek muses. And the hardest part was getting her back to England. Then he unlocks this big wooden door. And he's like, there she is. So there's this woman sitting at, like on this mattress. So Fry introduces Maddox. He says that you know he's trying to write the, you know, the sequel because he's only written like one novel before. So he's trying to write a follow-up. He says that her name is Calliope. She's the youngest of the nine sisters. And she was Homer's muse. So Fry tells her that he's giving her to Richard. And she's like, you said that I would be freed before you died. And he's like, well, you and you shall, whatever. So Fry tells Maddox that she can't run away because she's bound to him now. So he locked her up. He's like, well, why'd you lock her up then? He's like, well, I couldn't bear to look at her or whatever. So Maddox, he's not sure if he can do this because it's, it's wrong. So he's, you know, he doesn't know what, what, what to do. So then she tells him at his place, she's like, I am a goddess. I'm a daughter of Zeus. She's like, you must let me go. And he's like, I will uh, just, uh, can you help me? He's like, just one book. And she says that she chooses whom she shares her gift. And he's like, well, perhaps, you know, we both need time to think. And then he like leaves the room and locks the door. He goes downstairs to set his computer to write. He's just like staring at the screen. And he's like, no luck. You know, he, he has nothing. Looks himself like on Reddit, on Instagram, Twitter, you know, people are saying, you know, like, where's the sequel? Where's this? And, you know, some people are insulting him. Other people are praising it, you know. So he gets her some clothes, some perfume, all this stuff like that. And she's says that, you know, she did not give Fry what he wanted. That He took it from her. And she says that he can set her free like he is. And he's like, I'm not free. He's like, you know, I took an advance for a book, you know, two years ago and I haven't even started it. So he doesn't even know what it's about. He's like, I'm drowning. And he begs her and she's like, ask me again when I'm free. But, you know, he won't let her. So he's staring at, at the computer again. His agent calls him, you know, publishers says that they want the book now because it's nine months overdue. They want something, even a chapter, or they're going to want all their money back. And he's like, and there won't be anything I can do about it because I'll no longer be your agent. 
and then Maddox thinking about like Fry's words or stuff like that. So then it's like, I guess he's going to force her to help him. We see him then the next scene, he's typing away. There's like a scratch on his cheek. So he must have like gotten rough with her. Maybe she tried fighting back. Or I don't know. Calliope's praying to her sister, to her mother, whatever. They hear her. She kind of sees them. They're like, we hear you, but we cannot help you because you're lawfully bound. And he's like, you know, there aren't many who will interfere in the world of men anymore. Perhaps the endless will. It's like, what about dream? And she's like, the dream king will never help me. Not after what I did. Because he apparently hates her. And, you know, then she's like, I, I will, won't accept his help. They tell her that, you know, he's in prison himself. And, you know, they, they tell her about the sleeping sickness and everything like that from the, like the first episode or whatever. So then it's, so I don't know, I don't know if they told us when this took place at the beginning. I might've missed it, but now then it cuts to August, 2020. There's a book release party. The book's a success. You hear like movie studios are interested in all this stuff like that. And Calliope's up in a room. Then it cuts to August, 2022. It has another book written. He talks to Calliope about traveling, about going to L.A., you know, to be in Hollywood or whatever. You know, he's like, oh, we should be able to, you know, get you over there on a plane or whatever. He takes a call from his agent. She sees a newspaper headline about the sleeping sickness, people waking up. So she knows Dream must be free now. Maddox left her door. You know, he like leaves a room to, to talk to his publisher, his agent or someone or whatever. She, um, he left the door open. So she goes out and she goes downstairs. She goes to his desk and she writes something like on a sheet of paper and she calls him Morpheus. Uh, Maddox catches her and he looks at the paper and he scoffs. And, you know, because he's like, what's this? And she says that Morpheus is the god of dreams. And then he just like takes the paper, rips it in half. He's like, you are mine by law. He's like, the God of dreams can't save you. He throws a, the paper into the fire. We see the smoke rises up and it goes into the sky. So it, his plants or his whatever, it's not going to work. He does this interview with this woman because um, he's, he's really been trying to push himself as, as like a feminist writer. And I don't know if it's because he has a female muse or whatever. And so because there's one point he's talking about, he wants like half the staff or whatever to be women and stuff like that. So basically he can say that he did that. So I don't think he really believes in what he's doing. He's just trying to, you know, make this fake image or something. Uh, then uh, during this interview, he finds out that Fry is dead, that he poisoned himself. And yeah, she's like, yeah, he didn't know about this. She's like, the last thing he wrote was like a letter to his, his old publisher about some out of print story. And he knows which one it was because Fry actually asked him, he's like, well, maybe you can talk to your publisher about getting this, this something book, you know, published again because he really liked it or something like that. So then Dream comes to Calliope. He says that, you know, his suffering was nothing compared to hers. And she says that, you know, she's bound by the law. And she says that she knows he can't free her, but perhaps she can inspire Maddox to free her. And he's like, I will do all that and more. He must be punished. So Dream is not happy, even though there's like some tension in here, which we don't know why at this point just yet. Maddox comes home the next day and he's surprised to see Dream sitting at his desk. He's like, who the fudge are you? He's like, get out of my house. Be quiet. You're keeping a woman here against her will. I've come to request that you set her free. Maddox scoffs at him. He's like, Psh. and he's like, you're out of your mind. He's like, there's no woman here. He's like, I'm calling the police. You know who I am? I know precisely who and what you are, Richard Maddox. Then Maddox, he's like, um, are you going to call the police? And Dream's like, no, I will not call any human agency. He's like, just let her go. And Maddox like, I need her. And, he, you know, he's like, I'll give you money. James, you know, he doesn't want that. He's like, she has been held captive for more than 60 years, demeaned, abused, defiled, and you will not set her free because you need ideas. Well, if it's ideas you want, then you shall have them in abundance. 
And then it kind of goes dark for a second. And Maddox wakes up. He's like lying on the couch. He goes upstairs and he's like, what did you do to me? She's like, are you giving me nightmares now? He's like, tell me. And she's like, I have done nothing. She says that he met Morpheus. He was once her husband and the father of her son. So he says that he's like, I didn't know you had a son. And she's like, you know nothing about me. And then he just closes the door. So we see Maddox talking to a class. You know, he, he reads from a book, or whatever. Then this woman asks, she's like, where do your ideas come from? And he's like, nowhere. He's like, ideas are all around us. He's like, I could write about anything. I could write about a college class sitting in here and the world outside being a, you know, apocalypse or something, you know, all this stuff like that. And, and then he starts saying all this other stuff like this idea. And he's like, can't stop talking. And then he sees Morpheus at the back of the room and he walks out. He goes out after him. And then we see him sitting in a stairwell and his fingers are bleeding. He, it was, it was that, that doctor who, who came, or she comes up later. He tells us one lady or something like that, that he had so many ideas and not a pen, so he had to write them. And then they look up and there's like a bunch of like blood writing on the wall. So then this lady's like, you know, we have to get him to the hospital. And he's like, no. Then uh, he's, uh, he's like, there's a woman in my room at my place upstairs. She's locked up. Tell her she's free. And they don't understand. So the, the 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 lady doctor that he met that gave him the jar or the, the hair or whatever, she goes to the house, opens the room and it's empty. Uh, the only thing in there is a book on the floor. It's uh, Fry's out of out of print book that he wanted, you know, publish again or whatever. So she leaves and then Calliope is downstairs and she's like, it's over. So she thanks Dream. He's like, I merely answered your call. He's like, what will you do now? And she's like, try to make sure that, you know, this never happens to anyone else again. So she's like, I don't know how, whatever. She's like inspiring humanity to do better for themselves. She tells Dream that she's like, you've changed too. Like, you know, in the old days, you would have left me. And then she's like, do you hate me for leaving you? No. He says that he's learned much in recent times. He does not hate her. And she says that, you know, you should release the mortal now, you know, Maddox. You know, she's like, I won't forgive him for what he's done, but I will forgive the man. Not for him, but for me. So then the doctor, you know, she goes and checks on Maddox. He's like in hospital. And she's like, how are you doing? He's like, I, I, I'm not sure. He's like, I, I can't think. It, everything I know is, is gone. It's like the ideas and the stories. So then Calliope asks Dream, Dream, she's like, can I visit you in a dream sometime? And, you know, we could talk about our son and grieve him properly. And he's like, someday, perhaps. She says that she understands. She thanks him. You know, she says she won't forget this. Fare you well. Fortune be with you. He says goodbye. She walks out of the house into the night. And that's where it ends. So Dream was married. Dream had a son. Something happened. And for some somehow their son died and he got mad. She left. So he like blames her. I don't know. But as I was saying, the funny thing, uh, I, after this totally unrelated, that's, that's it for the Sandman. Um, I ended up watching Xanadu again. Cause I love that movie. It is such a cheese ball movie. Olivia Newton, John, I'm still like heartbroken over her passing. I love the Xanadu soundtrack, the Olivia Newton, John songs, the ELO electric light or, or electric light orchestra songs. It's just amazing. So I decided to watch it again because I have it on Blu-ray because I, I wanted my daughter to see it a few years back. And uh, the funny thing is the movie Xanadu is about the muse and Mount, they mentioned Mount Helicon and all this stuff like that. So it was it was really coincidental. I think that's kind of like what made me decide after I, I watched The Sandman. I was like, maybe I should finally watch this. And so 
There you go. So that was a that was a Sandman episode eleven. And again, when I mentioned two weeks, two episodes ago, when I said as I was like, oh, I think there's eleven episodes of the Sandman, and then I was like, wait, no, there's only ten. So I don't know if I saw somewhere that there was eleven, or maybe I dreamt that there was eleven, and I knew that they were gonna release. I don't know. So that is a Sandman for now, unless they end up dropping, which I, I would I would love if they, it's like. Here's another one. That would be amazing if, if they did trickle them out every every couple of weeks. But I don't think they're going to do that. Okay, and now back to <laughs> Lock and Key. So uh, get second half of the season. So there's 305 to 308. It, it's, it is getting better. Uh, I, the thing is, I, I can't stand this, this Gideon demon dude. Anyways, I'm not going to get into it. Let's just recap each episode. So, so 305 is Siege. So Nina, if you remember from last week, Nina walks, you know, so Bodhi has been possessed by Dodge. Dodge was like the big, bad, um, lower demon. This Gideon is, is a higher up, more powerful demon. So Dodge is in Bodhi's body because they used the, the, the ghost key. So Bodhi is trapped as a ghost, like outside in like this other ghost dimension. And Dodge is in Bodhi, and they're like, Bodhi's acting like a little jerk. Nina found Dodge's body, dead body, like under Bodhi's bed, because there's, there's like this blanket like sticking out. So she asked Bodhi Dodge, like, what is this? And he's like, I can explain. He's like, I was using the time shift key. You know, I wanted to, to stop Dodge from using a demon key, but she grabbed onto me, and I ended up accidentally bringing her back. And she's like, what happened to her? And Bodhi Dodge's like, uh, when we came back, her body was limp. You know, maybe, you know, she's not supposed to be in, it's because she's not supposed to be in this time or something like that. Nina's like, well, why didn't you tell me or Kinsey? He's like, well, I knew you'd get mad at me. He's like, I shouldn't have gone back. Gone back. It was a dumb idea. And then she's like, well, give me the key. And, but mom, now. So then Bodhi Dodge reluctantly hands over the key. Tyler um, is recovering from the memory key. So Kinsey you know unlocked it so now he's going to remember about all the keys and magic and everything like that because when you get old you know when you turn into an adult you lose your memory your mind can't handle it or whatever so he says that he thought letting go of magic would help take the pain away it'll probably always be with him and she says that she's happy that he's back because she missed him nina comes in asking to talk to kinsey and she's like oh it's okay he remembers and then he's like wait she knows about what's going on so they're like yeah we used a key on her too whatever so then Ellie is trying to get Rufus to tell her why he and Bodhi, Bodhi Dodge, got in a fight. But, you know, Rufus doesn't want to say anything because Dodge threatened to harm Nina and Ellie if, if he said anything. So Nina is like, she's like, whisper tells Kinsey and Tyler about Dodge's body. And, you know, they said how he has been acting like himself. And then uh, Kinsey tries calling Duncan to ask about the time shift key because he saw them when he used it. And he said something about it that, you know, it's like, oh, it's bad news. Don't do it. So she tries calling him, even though he's on his honeymoon. She gets like an answering machine. Gideon um, comes into Bodhi's room through the the anywhere key. Bodhi Dodge says that they're the keys. They're not in the the cabinet. They're somewhere else. And Bodhi Dodge lies and says that he he she doesn't know where the keys are. Gideon's not happy. He's like, I want results or whatever like that. So then Bodhi Dodge is like, I can't, I can't just force them to talk. And he's like, you know, they'll, they'll protect the keys at all costs. So Gideon leaves. Then Bodhi, jo- Bodhi Dodge snaps Bodhi's Nintendo Switch in half. It's like, why'd you do that? They tell Bodhi that Tyler's back. And Bodhi 
Bodhi Dodge says that he got so mad at lying to them that he threw his switch against the wall and the, it, it broke. So Nina kind of gives this look to the others and says that, you know, what he did was wrong, but he didn't have to punish himself. Bodhi Dodge is like, well, can we fix it? Because, you know, there's that key, I forget what it's called, where you, 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 put, it in the, you put it in the cabinet, close it, take it out, and it, it's fixed. Kinsey's like, sure, you know, we, yeah, we can fix it. Bodhi Dodge says, great. He's like, I'll go get the mending, uh, that's it, the mending key. He's like, I'll go get the mending key. He's like, it's in the chest down in the basement, right? And Kinsey's like, yeah. And Bodhi's like, well, can I have the key to the chest so I can get it? Kinsey's like, I'll help you fix the switch, but first we have to catch Tyler up on everything. And Bodhi's like, it'll only take a minute. And she's like, you know, you're the one who broke the rules. He's like, you can wait five minutes. And Nina's like, well, I'll make you something to eat. And he kind of like glares at Kinsey. He's like, oh, fine. So Rufus tells, finally tells Ellie that his mom that Dodge is somehow back and possessed Bodhi because uh, he knew things that only Dodge could know. And then he, uh, he, she threatened her and Nina. So Ellie's like, well, I'm going to call Nina. So Nina's uh, going to make tacos for, for Bodhi, who's just sitting there, you know, being a sourpuss or whatever. Her, her phone rings because she left it like right on the table. And Bodhi Dodge sees it, like cancels the, the call and turns off her phone because she saw it was, it was Ellie calling. Kinsey and, and Tyler go to check on Dodge's body. So, yeah, yeah, no pulse, nothing. It's not even decomposing or anything. Kinsey realizes that it must be the ghost key because uh, Bodhi had the key before. He left it in the, whatever in the door. So Tyler says that, well, he's not, it's not Bodhi anymore. And then they start seeing ice crystals on the ceiling, which means that it's Bodhi from, you know, ghost Bodhi. Bodhi Dodge is getting impatient, wondering what, you know, what's taking Kinsey and Tyler so long? And he gets tired of waiting. He grabs a knife. He threatens Nina. And she's like, Bodhi, he's like, I'm not your little brat. And then some chains grab him. Tyler's using a chain key. They tell mom that he's Dodge. And Bodhi Dodge says, he's like, no, this is serious. You have to listen. He's like, Gideon is coming. They, they says that, you know, Dodge will say anything, whatever. But Dodge's like, he's more powerful than, than I am. He's like a god where I come from. And she says that, you know, she's trying to get the alpha key to stop him. Then they, they open the ghost door to throw Bodhi out there so Bodhi can come back or whatever. But there's like a bunch of plants and vines, like thick, just covering the door. Because uh, Gideon, he had one of his guys use the plant key on it. So outside, the dude tells Gideon that he covered all the exits. And they're standing out there with torches. And Gideon's like, well, we'll force them to surrender. So then inside, Bodhi Dodge says that you know she's on their side because he asked where the keys were and she lied. Gideon wants to destroy the world, but she wants the world to rule or whatever like that. So they finally agree to, uh, that they're going to free Dodge. Bodhi Dodge says uh, to give her him her the alpha key that it's the only way to stop him and you know he can get close to gideon because he thinks that she he is an ally and tyler's like no way and he's like you know you're lucky we don't stuff you in a chest so ellie um keeps getting nina's voicemail she's decided she's like well i'm just gonna drive over there and Rush was like i'm going too and she's like oh it's too dangerous like, no i'm not letting you go alone Gideon and the men, they're outside. With, so they dropped their torches. It's like, what, why did they have these torches? And then they just drop them there. So at first I was like, are they going to try burning the house or whatever? So then they're in the house. They're looking around, and um, they don't see anyone. One guy's like, she's like, I found a dead girl. And they're like, is it the, the, kin, or the lock brat whatever? And they're like, no, because it, it was Dutch. Nina's hiding. And then Gideon, um, he's about to, he hears like her, her, you know, she made this little noise. He's about, he's going towards her. Then he sees one of his men kind of like twitch. 
and then runs out. So the, the guys are the echoes or whatever. So Tyler's using the music box key to control him, and he tells him to go to the well house. So if he goes to the well house, and he's just going to like disintegrate back because that's where the echoes come from or whatever. Nina then uses a chain key on Gideon, and he's able to, he's like pulling whatever, he's able to get the chain off, off his leg. Uh, he, cause he like yanks on it, pull, knocks her out. You know, she slams into like the door frame or something like that. He grabs the keys. So now he's got more keys cause she dropped them. And then Tyler comes running. He has a music box. He's about to try to use it on him. Knocks the, the, the box out of his Tyler hand and smashes on the ground. Um, the, the dude running outside, you know, he stops right before he enters the wellhouse. So he like almost was dispersed or whatever the other dude's still upstairs looking and then kinsey gives him a big kick she's using a hercules key tyler's in the kitchen you know gideon comes after him like slices his arm he's like um the 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 dude with fighting kinsey he just reaches over and pulls the the hercules key from the belt lock and then he like kicks her leg and i don't it almost like did he i don't i thought at first he broke her leg but i guess he just like sprained it or really hurt it but I didn't think it was weird that he just was able to just pull the key from the lock. I mean, I guess it was maybe because it wasn't in her hand, he could just take it. But I thought you can't take a key from a lock. Gideon's like, he thinks he's all cool, too cool for school. He's like, you know, waving his right, twirling his wife, his knife. <laughs> then he asked Tyler, he's like, where's the keys? Um, the dude upstairs, he's about to cut Kinsey and then this window crashes open Bodie dodge has wings has the wings key i don't remember what it's called that we saw last season and then dodge is like brb um Bodie dodge says it grabs a dude flies him outside throws him into the well house whoosh, disintegrates so now now gideon only has one dude kinsey decides to give Bodie dodge the alpha key it says you know he's like but you can't you know you, you hurt my brother runner and she's, she's like you think i want to be stuck in this body forever so Tyler and Nina are looking for Gideon. Nina sees Bodie Dodge like flying, hovering outside. And they're like, what are you doing? And Dodge is like, I'm looking for Gideon. And then he gets shot like in the shoulder. Nina screams. And he, they're like, you know, never here. He's like, I never should have trusted you. He gives a, he's like, no, he gives Gideon two keys. He's like, the others are in the basement. And then uh, they're like, don't hurt our brother or something like that. And Tyler's like, like here, you know, he gives him a chest key. He's like, you know, just don't hurt my brother. And he's like, let him go. Gideon's like, I'll let him go after he opens the chest and I see the keys myself. So he's like forcing Bodie Dodge to go down to the basement with them. And Bodie Dodge kind of like winks at them as he like walks by them. And then uh, they go inside. So Duncan had called back and he left the message because Kinsey found she had dropped her phone somewhere during all the, the, the fighting. She's listening to the message. Duncan's cause there's a, there's an hourglass in the, the clock when you turn the key and there's sand running out. So they're like, what, what is the purpose? What hap, what's the sand for? So he says that the hourglass in the clock was a fail safe. So anything that's not supposed to be in their world will vanish when the sand runs out to prevent a paradox. So Gideon opens a chest, uh, you know, they, they, for some reason, they bring the chest upstairs. They don't open it in the basement. They bring it up to open it. So uh, the chest opens. He sees the keys. He tells his other dude to grab the keys. And maybe he's wondering in case there's a trap or something like that. Then Bodhi Dodge gets ready to stab Gideon with the demon key. He's like right behind. Th goes to thrust it, but then the sand runs out. Poof. Bodhi Dodge is gone. And the key falls to the ground. 
he's like, oh, thank you for that. He picks it up, starts merging them. The house shakes, the floor cracks, the big blue light portal. The end of the world is upon us. And Nina, Kinsey, and Tyler are like, we have to get out of the house. So they run out. So like Kinsey's legs a little better. So thankfully it's not broken, you know, so it just must've been really sprained or something like that. But they, you know, she's hobbling and they help her out and they run out of the house. And that's the end of episode five. Okay. Then episode season three, episode six, Freebird. Kinsey tells them that they can't leave Bodie there, you know, cause, but they want to keep running. And it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like Kinsey is able to run more before she's like, she could barely walk, but they're, they're still helping her along. Ellie uh, kind of has a flashback about getting swapped and thrown into the other dimension. Then, uh, then you know, they're sitting in the car. Then Tyler's at her window. So the three of them get in the back seat and tell her to drive. Gideon, <laughs> he's roaring. Now the house is still rumbling. Then it fades. These are not all the keys. So he's like, I guess maybe the locks kept one. But it's like, did they really? He tells uh, one of his Echo dude, uh, what's his name, Bolton? He tells him to start with the historian, and he's like, he says that the historian knows the mother. Get him to talk, and then he, bleh, he roars again. He's just like a big dork. It's like I, I just don't, I don't care for Gideon as like the the big villain. Bodhi's flying around. And then he goes to Chamberlain, his ancestor ghost or whatever. He says Gideon's going to attack his family. He has to do something. Chamberlain's like, oh, I can't do anything. But then Sam, the 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 ghost of Sam, the, the kid who killed Rendell, comes up, and he's like, I can help. Bodhi's like, I never want to see your face again. Chamber's like, oh, you know, I would never condone what Sam did, but he has been trying to atone. He's helped you out, even though you haven't realized it. And Bodhi's like, what are you talking about? And Chamberlain's like, why don't you ask him? So then it's daytime at Ellie, so I guess, yeah, time passed. Uh, Josh calls Nina. They haven't spoken since the dinner, and Kinsey... Is she's trying to think of what they can do to, you know, to how to, can they defeat Gideon, saved her brother. So they need to get the ghost key to get Bodhi back. Tyler keeps like, kind of like just rejecting our ideas and everything. And she's like, do you have anything to contribute or are you just here to shoot my ideas down? So, you know, there, there's just a lot of tension there, but it's, it's really, you know, he just got his memories back and he hasn't really done anything except, and, and it's not that he's doesn't necessarily shooting ideas down him. He's being realistic, but it's not always helping because it comes across as being negative, I guess. So then uh, Rufus starts talking about, like a diversion as a military tactic. So if they can distract Gideon, then they can get the ghost key back. Taylor's, he's like, well, or Tyler, Tyler. Tyler says that even if that would work, they don't have a body for Bodhi to fly back into because Bodhi's body just disappeared when Gideon, or when um, Dodge disappeared from the, the, the time shift key. But then Co Kinsey says like, like, well, what if we did have one? So it's like, what does she have in mind? Josh and Jamie are, it is Jamie, right? I forget, that's his daughter's name. They're at the museum, and then uh, Bolton, the Echo Dude, he's there. He, like, barges in, and, oh, is it Bolton? No, I'm trying to remember. He, uh, it doesn't matter. We wanted the Echo Dudes. He points the gun at him, and he says that he has to tell him where Nina Locke is. You know, tell him or I'll shoot him in the gut and let him, let him bleed out. Jamie's like, you know, he, she was like reading behind this like box thing. So the dude didn't see her. She tries sneaking to her phone, but then this little door thing like makes a noise. So the dude like looks and then Josh grabs a gun at him. He's like, stand back or I'll shoot. And he's like, oh yeah, he shoots him. doesn't really do anything. So the echo dude grabs his gun back and then he like hits Josh with like with, with the, the actually wait, 
he actually, sh- I think he shoots him here. And then Jamie runs out, dad. And then, uh, so uh, Josh, I think got shot like in the shoulder or something like that. So then the echo dude grabs the girl and then leaves. I Okay. I mean, maybe, I guess more of a bargaining chip, but it's like the dude is supposed to be the one that, who knows Nina. Anyways, Gideon's looking through Bodie's idiotic key journal. <laughs> I do like the show, believe it or not. Uh, you know, Ghost Bodie's there, and he's upset because he, you know, he rips a journal and half throws it in the fire. He's like, hey! It's like, well, you should have made the stupid journal in the first place. Sam's in a well house, and Bodie says that, you know, he's like, I liked it better when I thought you were dead. And Sam's, he's like, well, sometimes I wish I was. Bodie says that, just because he's talking to him doesn't mean he's forgiven him. Sam says that he's like, well, I don't expect you to. He's like, you know, Dodge may have used me, but I still made my choices. And he's like, I can't change what happened. And, you know, I'm so sorry for what I did. Bodhi mentions that what Chamberlain said about him helping the family. And he, so Sam says that he led Kinsey to the angel key by using the birds. It's because they can sense him. And he figured out a way to guide them. And Bodhi's like, oh, yeah? Josh calls Nina and tells her about Jamie. So he's on his way to Ellie's. Nina tells the others. They say something about a key. They can't think of another key that they haven't found. Then Tyler says that this is their end. So if they can get Bolton to walk through uh, and then they can get Bodhi, like to, to go use a ghost key, then they can get Bodhi into his body temporarily. So that means Bodhi will go into Bolton's body, the, the echo dude. So dude barges in with Jamie. Only Kinsey and Tyler are there, and they say that they don't have the key, and so he ties their wrists and makes them walk. Kinsey and Tyler tell him that she's like, well, let Jamie go. She doesn't know anything, so he agrees. She runs back, and then she finds Nina, Ellie, and Rufus. Then Josh comes. He's still bleeding. He sees Jamie, and then he decides that he can faint from getting shot. <laughs> so it's like, it was very convenient. But I guess it's adrenaline. Bodhi tries getting the birds to fly. They're not, it's not working. Then Sam helps him. He's like, you know, just like, you got to be calm. You got to focus, you know, all this stuff like that. Josh is in hospital getting stitched up. He said he had to make, make up a story about, like, cleaning a gun and it went off or something like that. He asked Nina, he's like, what is this about? So she tells him everything. Then he's like, I believe you. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Kinsey, Tyler, and, and uh, Echo Dude arrive at the house. Uh, the fountain starts freezing over, and Kin- Kinsey, like, kind of whisper talks to Bodhi. She's like, go to the ghost door. Inside, Gideon calls them uh, that the locks, he, he, he says that the locks are thieves or something like that. But Kinsey's like, this is our home. It's like our keys. And Gideon says that the keys are of his, you know, his kind or something like that. Tyler, Tyler finally says that the key he's looking for is in a cemetery, but to get it, you have to enter the ghost plane. So then he's like, well, why would you hide it there? And Tyler's like, so it'd be safe. He's like, you can only access it with the ghost key. So Gideon decides he'll send Bolton, the, the echo dude, to, to go get it. Ellie and Nina drive to the house with a, like a bunch of tools. From, from the, Nina's renting this house. There's like a shed with like a bunch of different hardware tools. Rufus wants to help, but he's supposed to stay back with Jamie. Bodie gets a bird to fly to the ghost door. Then it enters a ghost, you know, goes through the ghost door, and it just the body just lays there. Gideon shoves Bolton through. And then he hears a car, so he goes out to to see who it is. Kinsey tells Tyler that Bodie has a a better idea or something like that. So he just needs to get the animal key. Gideon sees uh, Ellie with an axe. He can sense that she's been to his world. And she's like, yeah, and I escaped. And he's like, well, not for long. Then Nina pops out and hits him with a sledgehammer. So uh, 
I wonder, like, what if she would have hit him with the axe? You know, would it have made a difference? They all go inside. Tyler and Kinsey come in. Ellie tries hacking at him from behind, but he grabs the axe, like, without really looking, snaps it in half, and he, like, smacks her. She, she goes flying against the wall. He pulls out his little knife because he thinks he's so cool with it. Several sparrows start flying in and attacking him. Tyler grabs uh, the pouch of keys and they like spill out on the floor. So they're like scrambling, trying to find it. Kinsey finds uh, the animal key. They run into the other room, open the little door, and then she's like, "Now!" So then Bodie he went in the the body of the bird that you know came through. Poor bird. <laughs> he so he goes flying, goes through from the outside, goes through the door, comes back inside as himself. So somehow it made a body for him. They, t- they take the time to hug, even though Gideon is still like in the other room. They, they love each other. So <laughs> Gideon picks up the keys on the floor and he grabs Nina by her throat. He's like, a simple death would be too easy. So he's like holding her like over the portal. Then Rufus comes in and hits him in the head with a sledgehammer. So he drops Ellie like off to the side. Um, you know, but, you know she's, she's fine. And then he threatens to slit his throat or something like that. Ellie says that she knows where the final key is. You know, let Rufus go and she'll tell him. So Ellie says that the key is inside of the head of an old classmate. They kept it there for safekeeping. So who's the classmate? Gordy Shaw. He's like the, I don't know if he's a mayor or something. Whatever. He's like one of their old friends. So Gideon tells Bolton, who returned from the ghost plane, to because he's like, there's no key there, whatever. So he tells him to, to lock them in a pantry. In a little bit, you know, they're in a pantry or whatever. Uh, Kinsey's, like, trying to pick the lock. The door opens, so they all stand up. And Bolton's there. He's like, it's okay. He's like, I'm not Bolton. It's really Sam. So Sam went into Bolton's body. Sam the ghost. Episode 307, Curtain. It goes back. Matheson Academy, 1995. We see Rendell with his friends. They're, like, working on a, like, play production, stuff like that. He's using a drawing key. So he kind of draws this little goblin thing, and then it, it comes to life. So it starts kind of running around. Gordy comes in. So again, this is 1995. So young Gordy. He comes in and they try acting normal because it's like running around the room. Then he he sees something moving. They're like, oh, it's a bird. At the rec-. You know, they, they say different things. So he goes to look and he freaks out when he sees it. And then he, he kind of gets mad because they won't tell him what's going on. He's like, I'm tired of being a bit player in your lives. He's like, one day I'll matter. <laughs> it's like, okay. So and then and Rendell's kind of a jerk about all of this. So then we see Ellie is driving Gideon. He's like playing with the, the electric windows, whatever. And she's like, can you stop that? You know, because he's like a kid. He's never been in, in a mechanical chariot or horse. I forget what he called it. So he's he's just really digging a car. He's like, uh, could this, this can go faster. He's like, he makes her go faster. Sticks his head out the window. He's just enjoying it. And she like slams on the, on the brakes. And then, you know, he kind of like hits his head like on the, the front part of the window. She runs into the wood. But of course, he catches her. Bodie explains, you know, because so they're freaking out. Sam's there. It's like, this is the dude that killed her dad. But Bodie explains that Sam has saved him, that he's helped him. He sh- showed him about using the birds. He helped Kinsey find the angel key. He talks to Nina. He apologizes. He's like, I don't expect you to forgive me. He's like, I just want to help the family. Gideon and Ellie arrive at Gordy's. He's holding a knife to her. And uh, Gordy's like, I don't know anything about a key. Then we see in the past, Gordy. I guess he told on them, and you know, there's talk of canceling the play. So they decide to explain things to him. They use the mind key, you know, and then show him they go in, in his mind. Rendell 
they're not really, it's like they're, they're trying to trick them because they're jerks. Brendel finds the memory key from the other day and he's like, yeah, we're just going to borrow this in, in the one of right now. And then Ellie and this other girl, they decide to leave a key in there because they, they don't like the drawing key. So they want to, they figure if they leave it in Gordy's mind, it'll be safe. So um, I forgot who Ellie, I think, wanted to put it like in a coat, like because it's, it's all kind of like theatrical, like whatever stuff. But it's it's not going to be there because the other the other girl decides to to put it somewhere else. And the president Gideon is attacking Gordy. Gordy gets stabbed, and then Gideon he he's he's like, "What happens if he dies before you retrieve the key?" And she she's like, "I don't know." Gideon's like, "Well, then you'd better hurry." So she um, uses the key on him, and she's like, "I'm sorry." So he's laying on the ground bleeding, and then now there's a second one laying next to him, and then the, like this curtain like door opens up. Nina gets some power tools because they're going to try to open the Harlequin chest. Use an electric saw. It just breaks. Tries to drill a bit. It breaks. So then she and Bodhi take the chest outside. They pour some gas on it. They light on fire. And, of course, Bodhi's like, yeah, because he's a little freak and boys are obsessed with fire. But So it's on fire. But then it starts raining just over the chest because of the magic or whatever. The others get to Gordy. They find him lying on the floor. Gideon and Ellie... They're, so they must still be inside his memories. Kinsey and Tyler and Sam go in after. Ellie takes Gideon to where Gordy hides things. You know, like it's like under like under the stage because again everything's kind of theatrical or related. So she's like his rage and hate and fear or whatever. And then demons come out and they start attacking Gideon. And then she like leaves to you know try to leave him there. Lights are starting to go out in Gordy's memories because he's dying. Ellie finds the three of them and she says that she trapped Gideon but they have to get the key Ellie can't find it so the other girl Aaron must have taken it saying that they needed a better spot Tyler's like forget the keys like we have to go memories are kind of changing and then they end up they're kind of going in circles so Kinsey then she starts hearing whispers from the key so Gideon, we see him, he's, uh, he said he got out from under the stage. Then he's just, for some reason, he's sitting on, on a stage uh, playing a piano. So the, the key is somewhere down there. They're, they're hearing it. So they have to go down there. Sam, as Bolton knocks out Gideon, sort of like with a sandbag thing, because he was like hiding backstage, so it hits him in the head. Then he tells him to leave. He's like, I'll hold him off. But they still need the key. The key was like under one of the piano keys. So Sam's like fighting Gideon and then Gideon flips a piano on top and pins him underneath there. Paramedics arrive. Rufus, he's like, oh no. So he has to dra drag the body. He's not sure which one to drag away since there's, there's two Gordies. So he drags one away uh, because, you know, they, the paramedics can't see two of them. They'd freak out. He doesn't have a twin. Uh, so the paramedics take him away. But did they take the correct one? Which one did they take? In the, in the back of the paramedic, they're like, we're losing him. Police arrive at the house for some reason, even though the paramedics arrive. I guess they don't talk to each other. And then, you know, Rufus answers the door. He's got blood all over him. So they tell him up against the wall. And then the doorway to Gordy's mind flickers and it disappears. So they're trapped in there forever. Episode 308, farewell. So this is the final episode because they're dead. They're, they're gone. No, they're not. Paramedics start getting a heartbeat. So inside, the, the three run through the door. Then the police point gun at them. Gideon is still inside Gordy's mind. The police see, like, the flickering door, whatever, and so they're confused. Then Gideon sees uh, the door. He jumps through. He knocks one cop aside. The other cop shoots him. Then he shoots him a couple more times because he just, like, kind of staggers, but then he keeps going. He goes down. The door disappears. So now Gordy is dead. Sam is still inside Gordy's head, so I guess he's trapped in there. 
The others leave. Gideon gets up. The, the cop shoots him again. They're, they're with the Gordy's body in the other room. Ellie closes dead Gordy's eyes, takes the mind key, and gives it to them because they can't let Gideon win. So they, she tells them to run. She's going to stay there. <laughs> so she gives them the drawing key and explains that you know whatever they draw comes to life. Gideon slashes a cop's throat with his little knife. Then he sees the mine key is gone. So he also sees Tyler and Kinsey run, running like outside through the window. So he goes out to chase after them. Ellie and Rufus, meanwhile, go to Josh's. Uh, Kinsey and Tyler, they, they're running around. They end up going this like dead end. So to use a, the drawing key to make a door, and you know, then the door turns real, they go inside in, into like this pub. They draw like a bolt on the other side of the door. And they're like, oh, it's a good thing you won't remember this. And they like run through the pub because, you know, adults can't remember magic. So they'll just, it'll, they'll forget it. Gideon smashes the door open. And everyone's like freaking out. He's just shoving people aside and everything like that. Starts running after them. Then Kinsey draws a motorcycle on the street. Gideon's like almost there. Motorcycle pops up. He's about to get them. A car slams into Gideon and it's Josh driving. So perfect timing, Josh. He tells them, he's like, get out of here. And then he sticks around. He like he gets out and he starts. He looks at Gideon. It's like why doesn't he say, "Hey, get in, Zoom, we'll take off." Well, I guess because they have the motorcycle. But he just stays there. Then uh, Gideon hits his. He grabs him, hits, smashes his head against the hood, and then he takes the car. And Josh barely manages to avoid getting his head run over. He just barely runs. You know, rolls out of the way. Gideon's like struggling to drive. You know, he's all over the place, but. You know, for whatever he's he does a pretty good job considering he's never driven before of course he he catches up with him right away so even they they had a head start on the motorcycle but he catches right up and he's like swerving driving all over the place but somehow he catches up at one point the motorcycle kind of takes a sort of a sharp turn Gideon goes to take the turn as well shoot, shoot, shoot. the car flips off like down the road and then it blows up <laughs> Almost for like no reason. I get there must have been a spark, I guess. And then he he calmly manages to open a door because whenever this happens, the, the doors are always pinned shut and people are trapped inside. Maybe because he has super strength or something like that, he just opens it, just walks out. Kinsey and Tyler arrive at the house. They tell Nina and Bodie that um, Ellie and Rufus are safe. They mentioned they have a key, the, the new key. Bodie's like, "What does it do?" It doesn't seem like this is the best time to ask or explain, like, oh, this is a new key. This is what it does. But Bodhi's just, like, obsessed with all these keys and what they can do. And he's just, like, excited. They casually mention, oh, by the way, Gordy's dead. And it's like they don't even care. This innocent dude had nothing to do with this. He's dead. And he was a sort of friend of, of, of Rendell's. Then Bodhi's like, where's Sam? So it's almost like Bodhi is more concerned about Sam than Gordy. So Sam is a guy that killed his dad. And yeah, he's trying to redeem himself and he helped. But what about poor Gordy? It's night when Gideon arrives because I guess he had, had to walk. They call out to him. Tyler's in a well house and he shows Gideon that he has two keys. Uh, Gideon can't, if he goes, steps into the well house, he'll disappear because of whatever. He's an echo. And then this, they made this big like construction bulldozer thing with this arm, and it grabs Gideon, and it's like trying to push him into the well house. He fights back by like um, holding onto the, like the edge of the doorway and everything like that. The mechanical arm breaks. Then he uses it like a piece, starts smashing the well house. Tyler has to run out a window off the side, and he grabs Bodie. The well house kind of collapses, and thus ends this prison. So they they just mess that up. They need the alpha key. Kinsey tells Tyler to give her the 
the drawing key or to create, I think they call it a creation key. I call it a drawing key. She draws like a door on top of the chest and it works. <laughs> so she reaches in, gets the alpha key. Gideon kicks open the door. Uh, she goes to Gideon and it's like, okay, come on, Kinsey, I applaud your just your braveness and just to walk up to suit. But he grabs her, holds her by the portal, but then you know, she jabs him with the alpha key. So I guess he you know, didn't know. Obviously, why would he know? How would he know that she has it? So she stabs him. The others uh, grab him so like Kinsey doesn't fall. Then they grab her, and Anita shoves him in a portal. The portal got a little smaller, and Tyler's like, the key went in with him. So then he has a, the head key, and Bodhi's like, no, not the head key. Throws it in, in the portal. It gets a little smaller again. So then Kinsey starts tossing keys. It starts getting a little smaller. Bodhi's like, oh, we can't throw away the keys. Tyler's like, well, we have to give up the key. You know, send them back where they belong. But Bodhi's like, but they've helped us so much. And then, you know, then they, they mention, like, the people who have died and all this stuff like that. Bodhi tells mom he's like well we can't just give up magic and she says she's like well i i agree with you know tyler and kinsey you know the keys aren't good they've harmed people you know even their father couldn't resist them so i'm outvoted then and tyler says he's like well i was hoping it could be unanimous so kinsey's like why do you want them and he's like i i just want one more thing and so he takes a time shift key there's a memory of them getting into the car. You know, this is when they're younger and everything, obviously, because he's still, Rendell's still alive. Dad's staying behind to work. They leave, you know, they, they leave where he, as he sits down, but then the door opens. He's like, oh, did you forget something? Whatever. Present day family comes in and he sees him and he's confused. And he's like, oh my God. And Bodie runs up to him and hugs him. Kinsey and Tyler follow and Nina comes up. So they're all, all hugging. Then they're sitting outside, like talking. Um, Bodie's like, see, the keys aren't all bad. So, I mean, obviously, Rendell knows that about the time shift key or, you know, they're, that they're older and everything like that. He says that, you know, they're doing something he never could. So they must have explained that they have to get rid of the keys and all that. So they're going to finish what he started. He tells them he's so proud of them. Bodhi's like, don't you miss the keys? You know, didn't they make you feel special? He's like, yeah, but, you know, I spent a long time trying to forget them. He's like, this, talking about them, he's like, this is real magic. All, this is all I ever needed. And then Bodhi's uh, phone you know, alarm goes off. He's like, we have one minute left because they're going to go back to the present. He says that uh, Rendell's like, well, you have to go and live your life. So he's like, all I want is for you to be happy. So they all hug and everything like that. And then they're back in the house, like hugging by the clock. Nina uses the memory key on all of them for some reason, I guess so they don't forget things. I guess so they'll always remember it. Then they toss the keys in. They're like tossing them in one by one. We see like was they're created or when they were used or like flashbacks throughout this, the show. Then finally the, the floor is closed. Then we hear, see Kinsey screaming. They're having a screening for, for the movie, the sequel to their, their, the movie they made. There's a Q&A after. And then it turns out Scott, uh, Kinsey's boyfriend who left for England or whatever to go to like the prestigious film school, he was in the audience. He came back and he wanted to surprise them and everything like that. So Kinsey goes up to him, gives him a big hug. Outside, they're talking. Uh, Scott asks Kinsey how the locks are doing without their keys, and she's like, surprisingly well. Kinsey says that, you know, maybe she might try to apply to the program. He's in England. He's like, oh, you think so? What? And she's like, yeah, would that be okay? Blah, blah, blah. They, they kiss. At the lock house, Duncan and his husband are there along with Josh and Jamie. Josh mentions you know, that he was assaulted and his car was stolen and totaled. 
he doesn't remember like what's going he has no idea what's going on he's like but uh you know the good news is he gets to go you know test driving you know to get a new car Bodie's like do you need help and he because he's like i'm a good you know negotiator or whatever like that so he he doesn't remember anything going on then duncan asks he's like well what are they going to do with the well house you know this is outside he's talking to nina she's like well i was thinking of a greenhouse duncan's like well maybe you can put a guest house there like with a hot tub or something like that and she's like you always have a room in the house and he's like are you sure you know he's like what if you know josh wants to turn it into a man cave or whatever she's like that's never going to happen so ellie is back to coaching at Matheson's. You know, she was going to do that, but then, you know, people were kind of talking about her disappearing. They thought she freaked out, you know, when she was possessed by Dodge or whatever. Rufus is working on the last chapter of his comic. Um, so then Ellie gets to school, the guy in charge. You know, they, they walk by the Gordy Shaw Theater, so they renamed it in his honor. And then she goes by a bunch of kids, you know, that she's going to be coaching. They all, like, applaud and give her this nice big welcome. So that was nice. Tyler talks to Carly on the phone, so he's going to go back to work. You know, he's lucky he got his job or whatever, but they're going to meet up and go on a road trip first somehow, <laughs> I guess. So then Tyler's packing his car because he's going to leave the next day. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm really going to miss this place. And then they all walk in the house, and Bodie's like, wait, do you hear that? So as they're whispering, then they're like, hear what? Then he's like, nothing, absolutely nothing. So then they all go in. We see the doors close. The music stops, and then indistinct whispering and then the music keeps up or start, starts up again so maybe there are more keys but i don't know so that's the end of the show so it was a good i guess i don't you know i i don't know if i mentioned it i actually haven't finished the series i have like the the complete i i have several of the issues i have i know i have i think one or two to, to trade the hardcovers i'd end up never finishing it for whatever stupid reason so I don't know how it, it ends compared to this. And I feel like this maybe maybe there's more to it than this because I'm trying to think of like how many issues there were, how many series. But I don't know if ratings were so hot. So maybe they decided, let's just you know end things here on our terms. So that's going to be it. So it was good. You know, I, I know if, if you listen you know, last week in that, I know I was kind of complaining, sort of complaining about certain things. And, and yeah, some parts were a little annoying and everything. But I do like the show at its heart. And, and I really like the characters. I, I think you know, they did a good job. Bodhi's annoying, but he's supposed to be annoying because he's a little annoying kid. But Kinsey and Tyler were, were good. And Nina was, was good. And... But not Gideon. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like his character, but whatever. You're not supposed to. So that is lock and key. That is going to be it. Uh, maybe it'll bring it back for some. I doubt it, but you never know. Never say never, right? So I mean, it was good. It was a nice, good conclusion. All right. Then Harlequin Season 3, Episode 7, Another Sharkly Adventure. This was this was an okay episode. It, I yeah absolutely didn't I did not love it it was fine there there wasn't even like a lot of like really cool cameos or whatever it was just it was okay I'm sorry to say so it starts off Harley's watching that Tawny what's her name you know her talk show rat catchers on there because he fell in love with a rat it's I guess that's supposed to be funny or whatever Ivy sleeping on the couch next to her and then her eyes glow and she sits up because she gets another flash of Frank and Bruce's face is looking down at him. So Harley's like, you know, maybe you should chill a little bit and, you know, not go so deep into the green because, you know, it's like really messing her up and stuff like that. But she's like, I have to find Frank, you know, and Bruce Wayne's got him. It's just too dark to see where he is. She's like, you think for a billionaire, you'd be able to afford a light bulb or whatever. 
Harley's, she's like, well, if only we knew someone with an inside connection. So Selena's there too. And she's like, what? She's like, we broke up. He was too clingy. He's a workaholic and all this like that. He's sending all these gifts, like this diamond-encrusted tiara. He wants her to wear it to this gala he's hosting that night, the Martha Wayne Foundation for Exotic Cats Charity Gala, which doesn't really sound that, that smooth. Um, Ivy tells Harley, she's like, we're going to go to the gala. We're going to kidnap Bruce and we're going to torture him until he tells us where Frank is. Then Ivy throws up like some green, like glowing stuff, whatever. It's from going into the green so much. Like, like I said, it's just messing her up. Harley says, she's like, well, I'll tell you, you stay here and you can rest. You can get your strength back up to torture levels while I go and kidnap Bruce Wayne. Bruce is uh, sitting in front of the back computer. He has a guitar, a beanie, a five o'clock shadow, no shoes. He's just sitting there. Nightwing and Batgirl are trying to talk to him, get him out of his funk or whatever. And I, th- I think Nightwing's like, you know, Selena is being a big B. And he's like, I appreciate your sentiment, but don't call, don't talk about her like that. Or something. Batgirl wants to, then she's finally, she's like, let's get down to business. You know, there's this new hat fad going on. She's like, we should go investigate the docs. There's got to be something up to it. So it's supposed to be like this smart hat that can read your mind and be like your personal assistant. She's like, doesn't that sound, you know, fishy to you or something like that? So there's like uh, nanotech, whatever. So she thinks maybe Matt Hatter might be involved. Ivy doesn't want Harley to go alone. She's like, well, I can take King Shark. He says that he can't because he has to go back home to deal with his dad's stuff. So his dad, the actual king, is dead. So it's stuff with the kingdom, whatever like that. Then King um, Clayface comes in wearing a towel, and Harley's like, oh, I'll go with him. He's like, oh, I'd love to. But he has to pose as Billy Bob Thornton because there's this like baseball charity circus thing that he has to go to manage or watch over the, the dunk tank or something. I don't remember. Then Ivy, you know, Ivy basically says that, you know, it's been a while since Harley's pulled a job alone. So she's kind of concerned. Harley's phone keeps like she's getting all these texts and everything. She's like, who's texting? Whatever. She's like, oh, it's that nerd Batgirl. Because she keeps saying, it's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? All this like that. So Harley's like, since, you know, the escape room, I've thrown her a couple LOLs. So Batgirl's just been like texting her nonstop. At the gala, Bruce arrives and, you know, he's wondering if Selena's there yet, whatever. Harley around back, she beats up this old lady to pose as the harpist. And she's like, oh, she's taking her vitamins to or whatever. King Shark goes home for his father's funeral. So he's going to uh, pass over ruling the kingdom to let his brother do it or something like that. So then um, his brother's sitting on a throne and he's like, yeah, pretty soon he'll be free of all this you know, BS. And then he's like, yeah. And he's like, wait, what? So he's not sure what his brother means by that. In the elevator, Batgirl jumps in from the ceilings, and she's surprised to see Harley. She's like, oh, I thought you said you were staying in tonight. And Harley's like, oh, I changed my mind. Then Harley's like, wait, are you stalking me? And she's like, as if. She's like, I'm working at the galas, you know, at security or whatever. They start fighting on top of the elevator and stuff like that because uh, she's like, well, I'm going to gala. And she's like, not without an invitation. So then, you know, they're on top and side, and like then at one point the elevator opens. These dudes in like rabbit masks come in, like knock them out. King Shark and his brother are sitting around drinking sangrias. Then he's like, "Oh, about what you said, you know, about you know, be free from it." So his brother says that he's selling the kingdom. An offer came in. The numbers are right, and it turns out the the buyer is Ocean Master. He wants to build like a mall and a food court or whatever, like all this stuff supposedly. Matt Hatter reveals himself, so. Uh, Harley says that because he's like, he's like, I'm not with her. He's like, what, you you two aren't working together? And she's like, no, or whatever like that. So she's like, don't you know who I am? She's like, I'm Harley Quinn. He's like, oh, you're the Harley Quinn. I should have known. And, and they're saying how he's creepy and stuff like that. He's like, no, I'm not creepy and whatever. So he and Harley's like, she's like, we're not even friends and all this like that. And Batgirl's kind of sad because she thought that they were friends. 
So Mad Hatter lets her go, and Batgirl's like, Harley, whatever. And she's like, leaves. She's sad. And then she starts screaming as they approach her because they're going to torture her, do something. But he insists he's not going to do anything creepy. In the elevator, Harley is back on her way up to the penthouse, but then her subconscious, which looks just like Dr. Harlison Quinzel or whatever, um, is talking to her and basically makes her feel bad about leaving Batgirl. Uh, underwater, the kingdom is going, the, the sale is going underway, you know, their paper signing, but then King Shark busts in. They, he and his brother end up fighting. Mad Hatter has is having a tea party with Batgirl and his his hench people. You know they're all wearing rabbit masks, and he says that like s- s- one of them or maybe all of them have cyanide in their teacups or something like that. And he's going to spin the, the tea kettle, and whoever points to has to take a drink or whatever. His first hench person drinks it, and he's like, "Oh, I thought you know you might kill me because that's what you do." And he's like, "That was actually pretty good. It has a kind of kick." And then his his head starts bleeding, and he dies. So then uh, the next person is is going to be uh, Batgirl. And she's like, oh, I'm not one of your henchpersons, so you can't make me do anything. But then he puts a hat on her. He's going to you know, make her drink it. Harley knocks a cup out of Batgirl's hand by throwing a roll of duct tape. There's a big fight. Batgirl's smiling. She's like, I knew you, you, you'd come back. And she's like, you're not fully a hero, but you're not as ruthless as you, as you think. Then Harley starts whacking Mad Hatter because he's like on the ground. She's hitting him over and over with the bat. like, And it's just like she's covered in blood. So she's like, oh, did you just kill him to try to make a point? <laughs> so I guess there's no more Mad Hatter in this uh, universe. So the blah, 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 some more stuff. And Harley, she finally admits, she's like, okay, we're in the area of a friendship, but we're, we're not making bracelets yet. Bruce goes out on the balcony. He has like a drink. So I don't know if he, how much he's been drinking, but it's like he has a little thing of champagne. Then Selena's like, Bruce. So he's like, Selena. But it's really Harley with wearing the, the diamond-encrusted tiara and her hair is up. She like kicks him or something, knocks him out, just like that. So he must have been drinking, right? I don't know. The shark fight continues. They're, they're like in this you know bar underwater. Lots of chomping and stabbing and blood everywhere, and other people are getting injured. King Shark sees like, you know, uh, we, maybe we can fight. We can work something out. We can split the duty so we can each do our own thing or whatever. They're fighting, and you know, at one point, like uh, the brother grabs Ocean Master's helmet and just trying to like stab him. King Shark ends up impaling him with Ocean Master's helmet, so his brother's dead. Harley returns to Selena. She has Bruce in like a body bag or whatever, and Selena's like, oh, she's like, I cannot be here when he wakes up, and then she leaves. So they have Bruce Wayne, so they're going to torture him. What's he going to do now? Because he can't reveal himself. So we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, they're, they're, I, I do like, the, I love the animation. I love the, the, it's the animation, the colors. It's just so crisp and everything. I just, I did not love this this episode. And, and the story is just like, okay, I don't know. And, and you know, Mopey Batman is funny, but it's, it's just, it's lots of things are just dragging on because we have this kind of ongoing storyline trying to think if we had this so much in the other seasons, but I, I, I don't know. Then She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 2. This show, I am I am really enjoying this show. This It's just a lot of fun. I, I like that it's not, like, uber serious, you know, and, and even for the Marvel Universe, you know, with, like, breaking the fourth wall and, and just, like, little things. So I'm just really, really enjoying It's just it's a lot of fun. So I know some people hate things that are fun. I don't know why, but I'm, I'm really digging this. So episode two, Superhuman Law, there's a news report. Uh, superpowered influencer Titania caused panic while fleeing traffic court. <laughs> She's in custody now. 
Another report mentions a new superhero appears responsible for stopping a rampage. She's been identified as uh, Deputy District Attorney Jennifer Walters. And there's like small text that says uh, Titania's lawyers called the incident an quote unquote unfortunate misunderstanding and a result of an extreme case of low blood sugar. Another report says that, you know, the members of the jury are called the green woman a hero who saved lives. Eyewitness says it was this one dude. He's like, yeah, so there was this decent chick, and then she turned into a Hulk, like a chick Hulk. And newscasters, the newscaster's like, she Hulk? And he's like, exactly. So Nikki takes Jen to this, you know, they're about to go into this bar. I think it's a bar that they normally go to or whatever. And people inside are like, she Hulk, she Hulk. And she's like, Nikki's like, that's for you. She's like, that's not for me. She's like, uh uh-uh. uh. She's like, that's for someone called she Hulk. She's like, which can't be what they're calling me. Nikki's like, oh, just give them what they want. And then she, like, looks at the camera, like, really? So she goes and dresses She-Hulk. The annoying co-worker dude, Dennis, whatever, he's like, oh, that was a nice trick you did to drum up publicity for yourself. And Jen's like, only you would think something like that. So then he's like, well, how'd you get your powers? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, that's what I thought, nepotism. So Nikki comes up and she's like, oh, some guy just gave me two free drinks since you're a superhero. She's like, no. She's like, I'm not a superhero. Nikki's like, you could be an Avenger. And Jen's like, do they offer health care, maternity leave, a pension? He's like, are they even paid? Then uh, this partner, you know, whatever boss comes in, he asks if he can talk to her. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, no, can I talk to Jen, Jen? He's like, this is serious, whatever. She changes back to, you know, human form, whatever. But then she's like, oh, because she gets a little lightheaded because of change in metabolism. So now she's, it's like hitting her. So she's kind of drunk a little bit. And she's, you know, she says she's fine. But he, so he tells her what she did was great in her thing, but they didn't win the case. They declared it a mistrial because she saved lives of the entire jury. And then they were biased in her favor. So she's like, oh, you know, I guess I should have, you know, not saved them or whatever but then you know she says something like that but then he's like no let me explain it to you he's like i have to let you go she's like you're a liability to the da's office so then we see her trying to interview at other places like one person you know says she they can't hire a lawyer who could be such a big distraction court another interview says that they're not prepared to offer a position at this time someone else says like sorry it's a no another one says you know we can't just take the risk of a sideshow so she's kind of like lying in bed. Then she's later, she's sitting on her couch with Nikki. And uh, then Jen's like, oh, no. She gets a, a message about a family dinner. She's not looking forward to it since she just got fired, whatever. She goes to her parents. Her dad, I think her dad's name is Morris. He says, he's like, you know, he answers her. He's like, oh, don't worry. He's like, I already told everyone that you got fired, so it shouldn't come up. Walk in the other room. And this dude, uh, Ched, um, I don't know if he's her brother, maybe, because uh, I think he was, he has, I think he has like a mullet, whatever. He's like, oh, you got fired. And says like, maybe it's her cousin. But he's like, I said not to say that. He's like, no, you said to bring it up. Well, anyways, but then it turns out Chad has big news. He got promoted to manager over at the Best Buy. And then mom is like, starts talking. she tells Jen, she's like, oh, the guy at the coffee shop, you know, he, he wants to be a superhero. So I gave him your number. And she's like, mom, you can't give people my number, whatever. And then dad's like, you know, okay, whatever. But he wants to ask, he's like, what that Hawkeye guy, what happens to those arrows? Does he go around and collect them when he's done? So then later dad talks to her alone, see how is she really doing? She says that, you know, she's okay. You know, she's okay with not being okay. She hates how this came out, you know, to the whole world. She saved people. Now she can't get another job. Um, He's like, it'll be okay. He's like, this isn't the first time we've had to deal with the Hulk in the family, and you didn't even destroy a city. 
Then she goes to the bar. You know, she's drinking, sitting there. It's it's kind of empty. And then Mr. Holloway comes up. So this is a dude on the the other case that she was going up against. Uh, he's there to offer her a job, and she thinks that he's joking. He's like, I never joke. Because he says that, you know, she laid out a winning case against him before he had it declared a mistrial, of course. He's like, that's no easy feat against JLK and H. So he wants her to be the head of a new division. And she's like, I accept. So he doesn't even get a chance to explain what it is. But she's like, but I'll only do it if I can hire my own paralegal. That's non-negotiable. He's like, I truly do not care who your paralegal is. So he's like, you, you start Monday. So she heads over to the office, <laughs> and and this is one thing I really love. It's like such a minor thing. She goes to the door, like she pushes it, but it was you're supposed to pull the door open. So she, I, for some reason, I think that's hilarious. Holloway, you know, greets her, whatever, and he says that you know more and more eccentric superhumans are crawling out of the woodwork. So they've started a superhuman law division, and they want her to be the head of it. And he's like, well, we want She-Hulk to be the face of it. He's like, that means. You know, I expect you to be at work and in court as the She-Hulk, not as a normal person. And she's looking, staring at him. She's like, uh, right now? He's like, mm-hmm. So then she's walking through the office. You know, she has to carry her shoes. You know, she's wearing pants, but now they're, they're kind of like capri pants because, you know, she, she at least they didn't rip. You know, her clothes didn't rip. So everyone's staring at her, whatever. And he, he keeps talking. He's like, you know, they're the first top-tier law firm to launch an entire division dedicated to superhuman law. And then uh, she starts talking to us. She's like, this sucks. She's like, is this the only reason they hired me? He's like, now everyone's going to think that, you know, that's the only reason I got the job or whatever. And and when, as they're walking by, I forget the dude's name. I think it's supposed to be like an Easter egg. There is one dude, his office, he has like these comics on the wall. And I, I believe in the She-Hulk comic at the firm that there was something like this. And you can use the comics to kind of get like inside information or something like that. And there's like some multi-dimension. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that in upcoming episodes. Then, uh, Holloway, he's like, he's like, well, you know, I'm curious. He's like, what do you think about it? And she's like, um, I'm agnostic. He's like, oh, interesting, whatever. And she's like, I'm going to spend the rest of the year, you know, w- wondering if I said the, the right thing or not. So he shows her to her office. Nikki's already there. And then um, so he leaves her to, to get settled in. And Nikki's like, why are you in Hulk form? And Jen says that she just found out the only reason they hired her is because they wanted a Hulk lawyer in a superhuman law division. And Nikki's like, yes, but look at everything it's getting us. Big ass windows, a fully stocked mini fridge and a desk. And she's like, "Okay, that's a normal thing. But she's like, this is a very fancy desk. Jen says that she's like, I'm going to have to buy an entirely new wardrobe just to come to work. And Nikki's like, yeah, but you're making enough money to do that now. This dude in a suit knocks in. I I don't know. I think he's supposed to be a good-looking guy. I I don't know. His name is Pug. And I was trying to think, was there a Pug in the comics? It's been so long. He has like a, you know, he says he's also in Superhuman Law Division. He gives her this welcome basket. There's office supplies, snacks, and a map to the best bathroom for pooping. Jen talks to Holloway. She says she's excited to take whatever case he wants to give her. And he's like, oh, your first case is the parole of Emil Blonsky. And she's like, Oh, and Holloway's like, also known as the abomination. He's been serving his sentence in an ultra high security prison. And Jen's like, yeah, I'm very familiar with Blonsky. And Holloway's like, then you know that there's a lot of you know controversy around his release. You know, this is a very high profile case. You know, the publicity alone is worth JLK and H taking this on pro bono. She's like, I'm sorry, but I, I can't represent him, sir. He's like, you know, it's a serious conflict of interest. The man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Holloway's like, yes, that's quite all right. 
Blonsky is well aware of your familial connection and has signed a conflict waiver. He wants to retain her specifically. He says that if, um, then Holly's like, if she doesn't take the case, then she doesn't have a job there. So at the very least, she should meet with the client before she decides. So she goes to the prison. She's walking up and the guard's like, hey, he's like, you can't go in like that. There's no superpowers inside, which seems silly because what if you were like Thor? So Thor's not allowed. He can't just turn off his superpower. So she turns human form, clothes are a little baggy, but, you know, they're still fit. She has to sign this waiver saying that they can't guarantee her safety, safety or whatever in the event of her injury or death, you know, indicate who they should contact and stuff like that. She tries, like, making some jokes and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, this is serious, whatever. So she enters this area. There's, like, this big glass or laser. So I don't know what it is. He's in human form. It's, uh, what, Tim Roth, right? And... Uh, She's and she's surprised by this, and he's like, "Oh, you won't see much of the, uh, you know, the other form." He's like, "I'm I'm completely transformed myself, physically, obviously, but also spiritually." So he says he chooses not to, because she's like, "Is it you can't change or you won't change?" So he says he chooses not to transform. He's simply Emil now. He's you know Russian born, British raised, loaned out you know to the U.S. government, whatever. He and then he's like, "Let's talk about the elephant in the room." He's like, "Your cousin, the Hulk." He's like, "I did yes, I did try to kill him. It wasn't personal." He's like, "I was under direct orders from the U.S. government." She's like, yeah, but then you went on a rampage in Harlem. And he's like, that's because they pumped me full of the super soldier serum. He's like, I was a highly decorated soldier. You know, I was sent on a mission to take out a threat. And, you know, I was like, I thought I was a good guy. I thought I was going to be Captain Bloody America or something. Now that threat, her cousin, is held up as some kind of hero, and he's locked up in here. He's like, where's the justice in that? So she's like, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Uh, but the parole board is going to have to know that you feel remorse to even consider letting you out. And he's like, oh, that's, that's, that's fine. He's like, I have various haikus that I've written to you know, each of the victims expressing the sorrow. And he's like, my tiny ears here. So, and she interrupts. She's like, if I was your attorney, I'd advise you to speak truthfully from the heart instead of trying to gauge what you think they might want to hear. He's like, oh, it's all from the heart. You know, he says he just wants to move on with his life. So then she's like, okay, she's like, I'll think about it. So Jen calls Bruce. She tells him she got a new job, but she has to take on Emil Blonsky as a new client. And he's like, okay. He like tries saying something, and she keeps talking, not letting him say whatever. She's like, but you know, you never held a grudge. You know, you're always saying that everyone deserves a second chance. You know, it's like I'm not falling for an act, but Blonsky did have some good arguments. You know, isn't rehabilitation something that we should strive for as a society? But none of that matters if you don't feel comfortable with it. He finally says, he's like, I think you're calling me to tell me that you're taking a job, and she's like. I'm calling you to tell you I'm taking a job. Yes. So Bruce like, that's great. He's like, you know, you should take the job. He's like, Blonsky actually wrote me a really nice letter a while back and a really heartfelt haiku. So he's like, we put everything, you know, behind us. And he's like, that fight was so many years ago. He's like, and here's, I, I'm sure this is supposed to be a meta thing. He's like, I'm a completely different person now, literally. And that's because it was a totally different actor who was playing the Hulk. He says that, you know, it's a big step for her. It's not easy going public. And then he's like, what'd they end up naming you? There's a pause. And she's like, She-Hulk. Then you hear, hear him, you know, Hulk, Bruce laughing on the other, you know, other, on the phone. And then she's like, don't even. And he's like, oh, I love it. He's like, it has a nice ring to it. She-Hulk, attorney at law, which is the name of the show. She's like, are you coming to L.A. anytime soon? He's like, uh, not for a minute. He's like, I have some things I got to take care of. Camera kind of pans back, and we see he's in a spaceship. 
like jumps to warp speed or whatever. And then Jen looks at her phone. She's like, okay, phone call over, I guess. Jen calls Holloway. She's like, I'd like to accept your offer. She says that, you know, she's put aside any conflict. She'll give her best work. She already has a winning strategy. It's 100% in the bag. He's like, oh, I'm glad to hear that. But you might want to uh, look at the news right now. He's like, have a good evening. So she gets off the phone, turns on the TV. Reporter says, so far, there have been no statements made by Emil Blonsky's attorney after some shocking footage leaked showing the abomination of participating in what appears to be an underground fight club after having somehow escaped from prison. So you see some footage from uh, Shang-Chi, where Abomination was fighting. And Jen says, oh, and she looks at the camera. That sucks. Then it's over. Credits. But there is a mid-credit scene again. We see uh, Ched. (laughs) Uh, I know someone who might think this is funny, or maybe you won't think it's funny. Uh, Chad's like, I don't know what 4K is. Here's the thing. Nobody does, but you still need it. <laughs> so he's like change, trying to change a tire in a car while Jen's like just holding up the back end, like, like her dad's car. And then he's like, I'm turning it, but nothing's happening. I've tried left. I tried right. And they're like, you know, lefty, whatever. He's like, the wheel's just turning and everything like that. Then we see Jen like hanging a TV up on a wall and she tells her dad, she's like, just do not touch those wires again. And Chad's like saying, you're off to say, he's like, I could have done that. And then she's carrying like uh, four big watercolor jugs, you know, like f- f- four, like one shoulder and two in her other hand. And her dad's like, well, you know, watch those steps or whatever. So she's doing all this work around. And that's the end of it. <laughs> so it's just, it's a, it's a charming show. And I, I may have said that about Ms. Marvel, but it's like charming in a different way. And this is, read John Burns, She-Hulk. I, I feel like I should go back and read John Burns, She-Hulk. But it's just, it's fun to just kind of like poke fun at yourself. I mean, Harley Quinn's doing the same thing. You know, they, they, there's a lot of, you know, poking fun at themselves, major, like hardcore with that. It's just, it's it's good to have that. Where are some important things? And and just even stuff with the Hulk and with, with Abomination, you know, these, you get these little tidbits here and there. So, and the fact like Hawkeye's arrows, I think that's a extremely valid, you know, question because it does seem kind of dang you can't just leave all these arrows lying around you know people can get hurt some kid starts playing with these sharp arrows or whatever so i i really dig the show all right now for the main feature i I debated whether this should be a main feature or not i know the movie this movie's been out for a while it's actually available on digital now i saw it in the theater dc's league of super pets it came out july 27th and that was uh, the week after Comic-Con. I decided to go see Nope earlier that week because Nope came out during Comic-Con. And, you know, Jordan Peele was like, I really wanted to see the movie. I, I'm a fan of, like, I love crypto and I love Ace. I, I have a very, um, very uh, there's a special sp- spot in my heart. I have a lot of nostalgia for these two. You may remember the, the animated crypto show, uh, it came out, must have been like, uh, I should look up the date. It's supposed to be out on, on DVD. DVD is like not even Blu-ray. They're, they're supposed to release a complete series. I have like a couple DVDs with like select episodes, but they're supposed to release the whole thing. And it came out maybe 15 years ago or something like that. The nostalgia is because I, I watch it with my daughter. And you know my daughter's an adult now, which is crazy to believe. 
but she loved crypto streaky super cat and it was just it was such a, a fun show there's like all these other super pets you know not all you know from the comics they don't use those super pets in this which i kind of understand why because they don't want to I, I think it's a, a rights thing. You know, someone else created those other pets that you want to use. Like Me Mechanic Cat is not in this, which I, I love Mechanic Cat. I oh, mean, I really want to watch those those episodes again. So for me, I just, you know, it was just a really good show, really good writing. It was just cute. My daughter loved it. So it was, it was like a good for all, all age thing. And it was like, you know, traditional animation. Now, you know, everything is CG animation, whatever. And I get it. You know, there, you can do some cool things with it and all that. You know, I, I, I don't hate it, but, you know, I just like the old school stuff. But then the, the, the main problem I have with this is the, the, the cast. And not that I have anything against them, but it's like, come on, man. I, having interviewed so many voice actors... I, I really come to appreciate and respect the work that they do. I mean, this is amazing. You know, when, when you think it, just a lot of the stuff, if you, I think many of us take it for granted. You know, you just watch, you just get immersed in the show. And that's because they're doing their job. They do their job so well that you completely buy. It's like, here's this drawn, you know, these moving drawn images and you just totally buy it. It's totally, you know, it's a completely different thing when you watch live action you know what whether tv or movie you see someone they're dressed up they got the makeup they got the lighting they got you know the, the body movement and everything like that so you can really sell a role that way uh, you know it's like like say the elvis presley movie i haven't seen that i am assuming you know just from the trailer this guy he may not 100 percent look like elvis in my opinion I, I didn't i haven't seen the movie but he moved and and everything you know he's he i'm sure sells the role you know, or his whatever, his performance. So with voice acting, I mean, it's all about your voice because you can't you can't use anything else. You know, it's it's all about that. So my problem is now often we get these big name celebrities to do voice acting because I guess the idea is the big names are going to sell, make people go to them. And I think to some extent, to a certain demographic, that may work. But for a lot of other people, I don't think it really matters who's doing it. It's it's more, it's, it's like they're relying more on the the names than they are an actual product. So it's like, okay, we have this. You know, I love crypto, but some other people they may not even know that Superman had a dog, and which would blow my mind if that's the case. But I'm sure that's that's how it is for some people. So who do we have here? Dwayne Johnson is crypto. I love Dwayne Johnson. I think he's. I, I I always worry that we're gonna find out that you know Dwayne Johnson is really just big you know grade A jerk or something like that. He seems so charismatic. He seems so nice. He seems like you know he does good things you know for fans or just other people and he cares about his family you know all this stuff like that. I so I any movie like even um, Jungle Cruise. I don't. I wouldn't have thought that he'd be you know that right for the role, but he was great in it. I I really enjoyed that movie. So I, I love Dwayne Johnson. I don't. He's not what I think of when I, I th think of crypto talking. He does. You know, he don't get me wrong. He does a good job in this. Everyone does a good job in this this movie. Not exactly how I would ever imagine crypto talking, it, but it, it's fine. Ace the Bat Hound. I love Ace Ace Bat Hound. I think there's such just some something about Batman, a bat dog. You know, it's just something funny or whatever. 
Kevin Hart. It's like that. Ace is supposed to be super serious and everything like that. And while there are moments in this movie where Ace does get serious, it's still Kevin Hart. And and again, I love Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart is hilarious. And then we have John Krasinski as Superman. That, he, that's fine. You know, it's not not a huge role. Kate McKinnon uh, plays Lulu, like the the evil gerbil. Uh, ben Schwartz is in there. Um, let's see who, who else was was in there. Uh, Mark Marin was Lex Luthor. Natasha Leone was uh, Merton. Was uh, the turtle? I, I I think I like her, especially in a um, Russian Doll. And uh, see who else was was in there. Uh, Diego Luna was uh, the squirrel. Jamila Jamil, who's in a. It was a Titania. She plays Wonder Woman, which again, not a huge role, but there's Olivia. Who was Olivia Wilde? She was in there also. And um, David Diggs, who was in uh, Snowpiercer, right? He was Cyborg. And uh, see, John Early was Flash. Lena Hetty was Lara, small role. Alfred Molina was Jorel. <laughs> he, I mean, it was it was fine. Um, Busy Phillips was Foofy Dog. Uh, Dan, Fo- who's Dan Fogler? He was in this. I mean, he's not listed here. Um, and then, uh, but my favorite, I will say, you know, good perform. I mean, I will admit there are good performances all around. Keanu Reeves is Batman. <laughs> it, it, it was it was great, and that's the other thing. So when you watch this, the, it's just like Harley Quinn kind of pokes it fun at itself. This movie is definitely poking fun at itself. At, at a, a lighter level, it's not being like raunchy like you know Harley Quinn does. So Batman, just it's just the design of Batman is kind of comedic. I mean, it's some people might say it's a, it's insulting to the character to have Batman appear that way, but it's just it's Keanu. I loved his Keanu Reeves. I, I thought it was was great. So the movie itself. And I, I, you know, I love animals. I love dogs, and it made it completely made me miss my, my two dogs who are no longer with us or with me. You know, rest in peace. And it, it, you know, it makes me sad. But it starts off destruction of Krypton. You know, we've seen this a million times and everything like that. Jor-El and Lara, they they got the ship ready. You know, they're going to put baby Kal-El in there. There's a little puppy crypto there too. So as the sh- the the cockpit thing is changing, and you know Kalel is like a little confused. He's a little baby. Crypto jumps in there with them, and and then they're like, "What? No!" And then I, I think it's Lara's like, "No, lead him. He'll you know he'll he'll need you know a, a friend or something like that." Ship takes off. Planet blows up. And then this kind of like almost like breaks my heart a little bit. But as they're flying in space, you know, because it's it's kind of like the the super the Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, seventy eight ship, you know, where you got the big glass dome or whatever, and the, it's all the spiky stuff. So baby Kal-El starts crying, and and Crypto is in there, you know, this little copic starts like licking his face and everything, and then like snuggles up with him, and Kal-El like falls asleep next to him. So I'm like, oh, this dog's so sweet. And then it cuts to like the present. So obviously Superman is older. Crypto's his best friend. You know, they hang out all the time and everything like that. The problem is Superman and Lois are are dating. So every once in a while that gets in the way of of crypto and Superman's time. And he's a little jealous because it's always been just the two of them and everything like that. So you got stuff like that. And um 
there was this one point, which I didn't, I, I should have re- re- realized it. Crypto gets upset because they're supposed to watch the finale of this show. I won't spoil that. And you know, Superman's going to go on his date. So Crypto storms off with his bowl of popcorn into the other room, puts headphones on. He starts listening to Taylor Swift, Bad Blood. <laughs> and, and then he's like kind of like crying and like binge eating, eating ice cream or whatever. But then at the credits, there's also uh, Taylor Swift's uh, Message in a Bottle. So then I'm thinking, I was like, wait a minute. So Message in a Bottle, she, I'm off on a tangent now. Message in a Bottle was re-recorded. If you've noted the thing about her basically getting robbed of her, the rights to her music library that she wrote and created, whatever. Um, but then I was like, they use Bad Blood. Does that mean she didn't get, you know, to, or have, and she does have the rights to them. It's so complicated. But then I remembered the news coming out. I should have reported on it, right? I should always report on Taylor Swift news. That how Dwayne Johnson like maybe accidentally spoiled that Taylor had re-recorded Bad Blood for this. So this was Bad Blood Taylor's version. Anyways, I completely whatever back to on track. So the the, the at the same time. There is a, like a rescue pet shop where Ace is in there, the turtle's in there, there's a pig in there, the, the squirrel, and uh, there's a Lulu, the evil hamster, or gerbil, they keep calling her hamster. And, you know, they want to get adopted and stuff like that, and all this, everything. And then what turns out is Luther, Lex Luthor, has this, this scheme to bring in, I think it's orange kryptonite, because it's supposed to give you powers. Ends up the pets get powers so they you know escape lulu is like evil and you know they they get out crypto now i feel like i'm spoiling too much crypto kind of ends up losing his power justice league gets gets uh, attacked and everything or captured and all this like that so who it's up to the, the other pets to save the day but they're just they're not ready for it type of thing yet so there, there's a lot of cute moments and everything and um, I don't even remember if I've mentioned or not, but you know there are a lot of there are like some good Easter eggs and everything like that. So this movie, it's it's good for everyone. You know, as for me being kind of a, a crypto snob, I I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very cute. You know, it did have a lot of heart. Uh, I there are some things that I wish were different, but I did really enjoy it and i probably would watch it again you know is this a movie i would buy maybe i might buy it i'd have to to see uh maybe and um i don't even know how how it did see rotten tomatoes is 73 percent on rotten tomatoes so okay i just wonder um let's see august 2022 following the positive financial and audience reception Johnson stated that the film is the first installment of a new franchise. Okay, we'll, we'll see about that. I I wouldn't mind seeing more. You know, I, I I thought it was fun, but you know, despite my my issues with thing, I I think we do need this because it is it's it's a good family movie, and we should have stuff for for everyone. You know, people love the gritty stuff, and you know, you got the. I, that's what I love. That you know, you got your regular theatrical releases you have you know stuff like harley quinn or even like the snyder cut whatever which you know a little grittier more adult and then you you should still have stuff for kids now my concern what what's going on with warner brothers discovery whatever it seems like they're like anti-kids because didn't they like remove like 
200 episodes of Sesame Street, and you know they're, they're taking like kid stuff. You know, they they canceled the animated Batman series. We're like, what? You actually, how could Batman get canceled? Batman is like the poster child for everything. Like they probably have like money with Batman on there because it's just it's just nuts. Maybe this is different because it's a movie thing and it's whatever different demographic. And you know, if it was profitable, they you can't argue with that. But it just seems I, I don't know what's going on. So I I would like to see more. I just think back to like again my daughter. I'm <laughs> I I made my daughter. A streaky mat. I took like a, a Manila folder. I drew a p- picture of Streaky's face, and I cut out eye holes. You know, I colored it with them with markers and stuff like that. I did a really good job. I'm really proud of that. I don't often like praise myself, especially with my art stuff. I'm like I'm my own worst critic, as they say. I really like this Streaky mask. I, I, I punched little holes. I put like a rubber band around there. And she had this like Supergirl shirt, and she's like running around the backyard being streaky because she she thought streaky was you know was hilarious. And that's thing, and you know we had a cat who passed away, and then you know our, we had this big dog who's kind of whitish, and so he was kind of like crypto or whatever. So what I'm trying to say by all this, besides just reminiscing about my 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 delightful daughter, is. I want other little kids to have this experience as well. You know, I, I feel like, and it's, it's important because comics aren't necessarily, it's unfortunate comics aren't the gateway for little kids. We need, the, we constantly need these, this next generation to care about these characters. And you can't just make like PG-13 or R-rated stuff and expect the kids to, to be all into it. Because there's going to come to be a point where they're going to be like, what's that? Like, why do I care about that? So you have to have stuff at, like, the entry level. That's why, like, the Spidey and Friends, Spidey and His Amazing Friends, I have not watched a single episode of that. I love, absolutely, 100% love the fact that that show is there for the preschool crowd to get kids to learn who these characters are. Just like Marvel Superhero Squad, I have some major issues with, with that because of other things. Um, because I feel like that took away from the continuation of Chris G. Russo's G-Man. I, I don't don't know if there's any connection there, but that's my opinion. I wasn't super crazy about some of the designs of Marvel Superhero Squad, but my daughter, I mean, my daughter knew who Carol Danvers was because of that show, or the, the Punisher, War Machine. This is like years before they appeared in any of the movies. And and she knew who the Abomination was, and the, and and Modok. She knew who Modok was, so I have to applaud that show, you know, for for introducing my tiny you know child into learning these characters. So I, I think something like this, if you have more of these and have more cameos, have the Justice League or other characters, it's it's just an important thing. And I feel like I'm just rambling on my soapbox or whatever. So it's it's a good it's a good movie. I think the kids will enjoy it. And I think some adults would probably enjoy it too. And I think comic fans can appreciate it. You know, it's it's not totally serious. It's uh, if if I can enjoy it for as passionate as I am about the crypto animated show, the other one, if I can enjoy this, I I think anyone can. So uh, that's the DC's League of Super Pets. Uh, you should definitely check it out, and especially if you have tiny ones in, in, your, in your life. I, I think they'll enjoy that as well.
And that is going to be the show for the week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And uh, so next week, I'm jumping back to Fantastic Four. We're going to pick up where, you know, after the last issue, big changes, new uh, team member who has their own show right now. Hint, hint. Sometimes I talk about movies and other things, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, what's going to be next week? So there'll probably be a Samaritan since I didn't get to it this week. There really isn't anything in the theaters opening up. There is a Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version. I don't know if I if I want to see I I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I did I did watch it again because I got this the I get 4K Steelbook or whatever, you know, and I saw it in the theater. I don't know if I, I I don't know, but there isn't anything else opening. There we do have Star Girl coming out during the week on this I think Wednesdays it's, it's going to be on, and and then Amazon or Prime's Lord of the Rings coming out. So there's going to be two episodes on Thursday and Friday. The question is, will I be able to watch both of them for next week? Maybe. Because I, I would love to be like a week behind to give me that buffer. I, I don't know. We'll have to see how, how it goes. Because some people, because since the podcast came out Sunday, Monday, people might be like, wait, the episode came out you know two days ago or last week. How come you're not talking? I don't know how timely people, you know, if they, they need that right away. So I, I don't know. We'll see. But the, yeah, there's there's really nothing. It's like when where, where where's when's the next movie coming out? I don't even know what the, the next one is. Um, I Jaws is coming in IMAX on September second too. I don't think I'm gonna make it down to the city to see that. But I don't think there's just nothing that's coming out. Is there even anything in September? I mean, there's Hocus Pocus two on the thirtieth. But I don't think there's got to be something that I'm, I'm totally see. Blonde comes out on Netflix on the 23rd. I don't think there's anything else. Pinocchio on Disney Plus September 8th. This is kind of crazy uh, that there's no movies. So hopefully, uh, we'll, hopefully more stuff will be coming. Um, but I, there's always stuff for me to, to talk about. You know, there's stuff on on the other you know Netflix and HBO and, and all, all this stuff. I did. I, I don't know if I, I kept forgetting to mention it. I have been watching Only Murders in the Building. I'm only on season one. It's it's an amazing show. I kind of wish I started at the beginning. I love it. I love the cast. Why well, I, I love Steve Martin. I love Selena Gomez. Wizards of Waverly. Pay- I feel like they have I talked about this. Maybe I have talked about it because I remember talking. My, my daughter used to. She really liked Wizards of Waverly Place, and I've seen select episodes. You know, um, Martin. Sure. Eh. So. That's going to be it for this week because I'm just ramble, 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 robble, 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 hamburglar. Uh, I can go for a uh, fake burger. Anyways, thanks for listening. I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great week coming up. I hope you are doing fun stuff, and I hope you remember to be good to each other. <laughs>